2: And they love me so much. Welcome again into another edition of Bandwagon Nerds, fellow basement dwellers. It's your good friend Patrick O'Dowd. Getting everybody geared up for week two of the 90s project. This week we are covering our top ten, the nerds' top ten family slash G-rated films and just judging by the panel around us, the live studio audience is geeked up today. So yes, of course, I am joined by our live studio audience, PC Tunny, firing projectiles at us with his Lego sets. We got the Reverend Ray Cash and the lawyer himself, winged head and all, David Ungar. Welcome on to the bandwagon, gentlemen. How are you?
0: Ready to talk more Spider-Man today. So ready.
2: We are, we're not going to talk Spider-Man. We are going to talk MCU, of course, because we did get another episode of WandaVision, and that's definitely going to take up a little bit of her time. I wanted to avoid it as much as possible, but we are going to get a little political today. I just don't see how we can avoid it with the Gina Carano story that broke over the week with Disney and her release from The Mandalorian and her subsequent announcement. And much to my chagrin... We gotta here we gotta talk Ray. a little DC to today. It, because it. prior to our recording here on the Saturday, Zack Snyder released his first official trader trailer for Zack Snyder's Justice League. And so I shared that out. The nerds have watched it. We will give our take. Ray, I'm sorry I kept cutting you off there. Go ahead.
1: No, please, I'm glad you're breaking it down. Um first and foremost, applause should be for that Zack Snyder uh Justice League trailer. Secondly, can I start my honorable mentions now? <laughs> Live studio audience has opinions. Can I start
2: my honorable mentions now? If you start now, you'll be done by tomorrow. Correct? Is that kind of
0: what we're expecting here? Eh, midnight. Eh? Did they make a sequel to Fern Gully? I know that's got to be an honorable mention.
1: The sequel to Fern Gully is garbage. <laughs> by Sura. No, I'm just playing. Man, go ahead. Yes, I'm excited. Great show. I've I always look forward to the show, but like I've been ready for this since like Thursday. So let's go.
2: Yeah, you uh, you in particular, I remember, you You started with the question, first of all, it was how many categories do we have left? And then there were multiple Chris Jericho list jokes, honorable mentions. Yes, Ray had a tough time with this one. For full disclosure, this was Ray's childhood. So I expect that this was probably one of the hard, was was a difficult category for Ray.
1: And to be fair, we put three categories into one because... I would argue animation should have been on its own besides family.
2: Uh, yeah, the the problem is is if if we really broke down the number of categories we could do we'd be doing the 90s project for a full year and Dave would be happy because we would just be doing list shows every week. And so at some point you got to make a decision, you got to kind of blend some together. It's the same thing with sci-fi and fantasy. There was a lot of those that could have been an action adventure flicks. But we we'll, we can get into that little uh conversation in the second half of the show as that'll follow after a commercial break. We got a lot of stuff with the with the Zack Snyder Justice League trailer drop in today that uh, I want to pack into this first half but before we get into all of that let's talk some WandaVision (laughs)
0: Doesn't that thank music you be- make you feel better about the world? I, I, I don't know if it's just me, but every time I hear that, I just feel better about things. Feel hopeful, right? Yes. Hey, good word, shout Patrick. Out to the- Excellent word. Hopeful. Shout out to the no, budget, don't, by don't, the way. don't, don't, don't cra-
2: congratulate me. Congratulate the live studio audience uh, for for lending some talents to the show. But yes, yes, uh, we got we got a little extra sound on the board today. So thank you, Mr. Tani. Appreciate that.
0: I just want to know Teaser. what he's watching. What are you it's watching, not, PC? That's not all. Ugh. Ah, <laughs> yeah. good, good, good for all you, right, PC. So let,
2: let, let's dive into Wandavision and this week's episode, episode number six. I know Tony watched it twice. I know I've watched it twice. Oh, Tony's watched it three times. There, there, there is a lot to pick up on this, and so uh, I'm going to hand it over to you all first. Uh, let's get some initial reactions from the panel before I share my thoughts. Ray, Ray, you're unmuted right now, and you're not watching a Justice League trailer, so why don't you give your thoughts first?
1: Um, well, first and foremost, um, I think one of the cool little things that you can expect every episode is what show are they going to mimic um, for the open and kind of the style of the show. Malcolm in the Middle was perfect, I think, because Malcolm in the Middle is a very underrated show, but it's also kind of got that wonder years esque, where it's following a family with almost the first person view, but yet it's still kind of wacky enough to be, have the comedic effect. Um, I think Pietro was fantastic in the episode and was really interesting because he said and did a lot of things that made you question stuff. For example, the, uh, the demon spawn line when he let, um, Billy and Tommy go. And when, when, um, I believe Billy is the speedster, right, or is Tommy the speedster?
2: Tommy's the speedster. Billy's Wiccan.
1: Thank you. Um, so uh,
3: speed—it's
1: just speed, isn't it? Right? Isn't it just, just speed? Yeah, speed.
2: Right. I think yeah, his power, his power set, though. Yeah.
1: Um. So you know, you we also got to see their powers officially take hold in this episode. Um. But it, it, a few things really caught my eye. First and foremost was the banter between Wanda and Pietro was really interesting to me, I think. Um, because Pietro, one thing he said that caught my eye was, he said, I heard you calling. I, you know, I just remember getting shot. And next thing I know, I heard you calling for me. And all of a sudden, I'm here. And I know I look a little different. But, you know, stuff like that made me interesting because this, the awareness of everybody in the in the hex really is interesting to me. Uh, we spoke about it with Vision. We could even speak about it with Agnes when she went to Ella Street, which you're not supposed to go past. Um, so their but their banter was interesting. Um, the people at the edge of the hex almost losing all ability to move in general is another thing I think is, 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 a, talk, is a worthy talking point. Um, of course, Vision being able to be tracked through his vibranium because Vision was in S.W.O.R.D. So we didn't know that um, whoever the... Whoever, what I can't remember, his name is Huntsley or Huntley or something like that. Um, he was hiding that and his aversion to superheroes because of the blip, I think is an interesting talking point going further. And of course, Darcy, like always figuring it out, figuring out everything that's going on and, um, trying to save vision because vision was dying and Billy realizing hearing his dad and the hex growing. That I think is going to have more more ramifications of anything in this episode going forward. Not just in this, not just in the rest of the series, but going forward in the MCU. Um, there's a lot of stuff to talk about. I'll, I'll leave it there and kind of retort with you guys.
0: I mean, with all due respect, to everything Ray said because it was all spot on. Uh, this episode to me was all about vision and what is vision, because we learned in this episode. He is self-aware. He's not buying the world around him. He's trying to find out the truth at all costs. At the same time, we learn that he cannot survive outside of the hex. So really, what is he? he, It's like, well, he's got the characteristics of somebody who's alive because he is self-aware and he's trying to solve things that he's trying to figure out who he himself is trying to figure out. Who am I? What am I? But Similar, like, and I, I told my wife I likened it to, like, you know, what I can feel the dreams where the ghost comes right up to the edge of that thing and he can't cross over. It's almost comparable to that. Vision can't leave the hex, or his whole construct falls apart. Everything Wanda has done to, in some respects, reanimate him doesn't work in the material world, and he is a material girl and all that sort of thing. But you know that that to me was the biggest part of this episode is that what is Vision? What exactly is going on? Wanda's power set, and I know Pat had made the quote in the chat room, damn Wanda. um, Another big House of M moment at the end of this episode where everything just expands and, and you see her powers grow exponentially and the Hex just... And it's interesting, when the Hex subsumes you, it doesn't kill you. It just puts you into Westview as one of the characters of the whole thing. So... To me, this episode was all about vision. What is vision? How do we process what's going on? Wanda's powers continue to grow. She continues to be a bigger threat. You see the threat growing in that. We find out confirmation that Monica Rambeau is molecularly changing. We know she's got somebody coming in, probably the next episode. Is that Reed Richards? Is that? We don't know. Um, Pietro, there's more to him than it would appear I don't think that's Pietro at all anymore. I don't know who he is. But he says things that sound like nightmare. You know, he's talking about nightmares and things like that. He's dropping little hints that it could be nightmare. The commercial, I have no idea what the hell the commercial was about this time. That was just kind of morbid.
2: Oh, that's an easy answer. That's, that yeah. is, that's Nightmare's powers. Okay. Nightmare's power is that he feeds off of the powers of others in order to, to keep himself alive. He's a Dr. Strange villain. He's very well known, but he, well, there's a couple of ways you can infer it. Cause there's also a deal with the devil sort of, uh, inference in that commercial when the shark shows up and, and basically says, I've been feeding off yo magic for years or whatever it was, but and it's and it's implied that there was a promise of something given. But Nightmare's power set is very much about uh, entering into somebody's sort of dream state, creating a false reality for them and taking their powers. And isn't there... yeah, this was the easiest commercial for me to decipher out of all of them. It is clear as day to me that they are saying, hey, somebody is siphoning their power off of Wanda's.
0: Isn't there? There's a Marvel character named Yo-Yo, isn't there?
2: I'm not. Sure. Yeah. Now what? Oh, no, no. A, that's Agents of Shield. That's a okay. creation out of Agents of Shield. Okay. I don't know. No,
1: she. She's no, a, she, is a, she, is a, she is. She is. She is. She is an actual comic book character. was she's, she a um, character first, or was she an Agents of Shield character first? Comic book character first. She's a. Um, she's um part of the Caterpillars team, or whatever it is. Um, she is an uh, Inhuman, but she is actual. She is a legitimate comic book character, and they redid her for Agents of Shield.
2: Tony, go ahead. You look like you were getting in there.
1: Um, just a couple
3: things. I First, thank you, Elizabeth Olson, for insisting on wearing the original costume there. That was just fantastic. We all appreciate you. Um, I mean, yeah. So the next thing is Agnes. Agnes has got to be some kind of link to whatever's going on, something more than what's going on. I don't really think Agnes... I think Agnes may be actually pretending to be under the spell, and not actually under the spell as well. I mean, I know she got changed back and forth by Vision, but at the same time, something there has to be more. Obviously, someone's powering Wanda. She can't control the people on the outside because she can only control so much. There, It's not even a secret in there anymore because she doesn't even conceal her powers to anybody in the town anymore, right? So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's just... Shit's about to hit the fan. I mean, obviously, who is Monica Rambo's contact? That's going to be huge. I think that's when everything's going to bust open, but... It was really fun at the end. Now I apparently what there's a old old time auto dealer and a circus and everything else in the town. So right, right. business business should pick up in Old uh, Westview here shortly. But yeah, you know just to bring it full circle, yes to Elizabeth Olson. <laughs>
2: We have uh we have 3 episodes left. It's a 9 episode season if I if I saw correctly on IMDb. And all of the costume nods, I did love all of the old school costume nods whether it was the Vision's luchador outfit or Quicksilver going and donning the powder blue with the lightning bolt across the chest and the hair. They even did the hair with Evan Peters. It was it was really really you know, Dave, you talked about it being all about vision. I, to me, this was all about it. It was it was all about awareness within the community. Because what, what I saw at the end of this, and Ray, you hit on it a little bit too, these people don't know, but they know what's going on with them. You know, digitally enhanced here or not, the point is is that there's somebody frozen and they're being held against their will. They're terrified and they're crying. And Wanda's grief is being used against her and people know it and that to me is is the real crux of what's going on here and you know darcy got caught in the expansion if i do recall not correctly at the end there so it'll be interesting to see what happens to her
3: i want her to end up in a diner an old-time diner you know oh god she used to be she was at with you know she played a waitress <laughs> No. Yes.
2: There's and, and a friend who's like a wealthy friend who's trying to figure out how to live. Yeah.
1: Well well if they if they be the next decade. If it they bring be. up the kick ass joke with uh Evan Peters and Aaron Taylor Johnson, that might be possible too.
2: Yeah, I, I mean anything's possible. This is all it's such a meta show when it comes to just the way that they, they talk and they and they portray things. So it doesn't surprise me that they keep going there. Um we've we've hit on it. How long do they tease out? Do, do you think we get Monica's friend, physicist, before episode nine? Yeah,
3: that's probably going to be an end of an, an eight episode. Eight. Or, or.
2: Because they're driving away. She and um, what's his name? I can't remember. Um, Woo. Yeah, Woo. They're driving to meet them. So in theory, we could get it as early as next episode, episode seven. Uh, but this being a a show that you know maybe wants to drop a bombshell, could wait till wait till episode nine. I, I don't know.
1: Well, I, I would I would hold off on that for a minute only because this is something that we all do as fans is we build ourselves up for something. So it may not be Reed Richards. I feel like we've built ourselves up for it already. That if it's not, we're going to be disappointed. So I'd hold off on how big the person is. It it very well may be, but I just would 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 proceed with caution.
2: That's fair. I I don't know that I'm we've we've been told that there's gonna be big reveals. We've gotten one with Evan Peters. I agree, Evan Peters is not what he seems. You all failed to mention the the point where we saw dead Evan Peters appear. It's the second time where we've had Wanda see something so that, her past and her memories.
3: So let's connect that with what happened to Vision when he tried to leave the bubble, right? Or the hex or whatever we want to call it. Who will, who will continue to exist outside of this? Will the twins? Because it doesn't seem like the, if the same thing applies to Vision as does Pietro, whoever's pulling these dead people that's, you know, investing in Wanda's mind and, and coming up and back with these people though, keep her doing whatever she's doing right? Cause clearly she didn't know that Pietro was coming. She said she didn't do that. Right. So whoever's continuing to do the show to run the show with her obviously knows what strings to pull and what not to. So I wonder who's going to be alive as we go outside of this bubble.
0: Yeah. And Wanda, her explanation as to Pietro asking her, how did this happen? She doesn't even know. All she knows was feeling emptiness, loneliness, hopelessness. And the next thing you know, she created this out of that. Uh, Patrick, you raise a good point. The dead Quicksilver scene. It's interesting to me that she sees Evan Peters character all shot up, but that's not who got shot up. It's the other right. Pietro. So okay. no. she's super imposing. I don't know if, you know, if she's trying to recreate that moment using this new Quicksilver, whether that's intentional or not, it has, I'm imagining it has to be, but uh, yeah, right. that's, you know, we're talking what that was episode six. There's three episodes left. Uh, I think Monica's, you know, probably episode eight. I don't know. Maybe episode if it's going to be a Luke Skywalker huge moment, then yeah, Reed Richards shows up in episode nine.
2: We'll we'll see what it is. We'll see who it is. You know, it's coming. We also know that Doctor Strange does show up at some point in this series. In this series, that has been known for a while. He was part of a he was part of the panel for the WandaVision show. So. I also think Stephen Strange could be your episode nine appearance just because, okay, everything's really fucked. I'm the like, he is the protector of our reality. So, or of the MCU reality. So at some point I feel like he's, he could be the, the episode nine arrival.
0: Um, (laughs) Well, um, could be a major showdown between him and Wanda at the end of this whole thing.
1: And I'm glad you brought that up because that's been one of the things that's been bugging me about this show is if. We're to believe how things were laid out, um, structured in the midst of the show. Doctor Strange should have been there already, or if 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 Swore should have called Hawkeye, because those are the only two people. Hawkeye, because of their close relationship, based on what happened in Sokovia, and Doctor Strange well, being sword,
2: the. Sir, sword answered you. I'm going to answer your question on sword right there. Sword ain't calling shit because the guy who's in charge wants to kill fucking supers. Like that's his whole goal. Like he made it plain as day. Like it's not about saving Wanda. It's about eliminating her. That guy's got issues and now he's a clown and I'm okay with that. So I, that's why I don't think that Swords done anything other than what they've done. And on the other end of it, you know, we don't know. This is the thing that I think is fun about fandom as we got, I want to wrap this cause 20 minutes in and, and I don't want a seven hour show. Um, we just no. I love how you wave it off every time I make the joke, Tony. It's hilarious. It's 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 the gimmick, though. It's the gimmick. I gotta I gotta live the gimmick. Um, we always assume that other heroes. And one of my favorite moments in Spider-Man: Far From Home was when he's asking Nick Fury where all these other people are, and it's like they're doing other shit. We have no idea what mess Stephen Strange is trying to fix. And you say showdown with Wanda. It might start with a showdown with Wanda. I think at the end of this series, or at least my sort of theory is at the end of this series, Wanda is taken out in some way as the big bad is truly revealed. And we've got some level of a comatose Wanda that we're all trapped in. And it's about freeing her, less about fighting her. So that's my theory I don't know if it'll come true or not, but that's that's where I sit right now, especially when you look at a character like either Mephisto or Nightmare, which both are technically still kind of in play because any sort of deal with the devil thing always comes with a price. And so that always exists. And Nightmare, I think, is, is the one that everybody's talking about because of Multiverse of Madness.
0: But you never know. I mean, like this, the Doctor Strange thing, this expansion of the hex as it's expanding might be what triggers something on his radar right now. Westview's been kind of a little isolated. I mean, it's a big event, yeah. sure, but it's kind of isolated. Now, as it expands well, greatly, that might be what triggers Stephen Strange to say, and, and hey, remember, something's going on here.
2: Outside Westview, people outside of Westview didn't know it existed. Remember right. when right. Wu when shows up and talks to the cops of Eastview, they're like, what are you talking about? There is no Westview. Right. So there's that element of it as well. Things have been kept hidden. So that's gonna put a bow on it for this week's episode of Wandavision because I want to. We got a we got a chock full show and I want to get on to the next thing. I do want to talk some other news out there. We're gonna this time go to the Mandalorian do a little Mandalorian talk. That may be my favorite like show theme song out there. It's just so chill and mellow. But this week, G- Gina, Car- Gina Carano wrote something really asinine, arrogant, stupid, and racist. And it finally became too much for Disney and Star Wars. And she was released from... She was fired from The Mandalorian and from any future Star Wars project. Now, I'm not going to read what she wrote. I will say that she equated being a Republican to being a persecuted persecuted Jew during World War II slash the Holocaust. Just a patently ridiculous, racist statement to write. And Disney finally was like, it's too much. And they parted ways.
3: Personally, it's the right call. I don't know that there's much to say on this. I don't think anybody disagrees with that whatsoever. It's just a lesson that continues to be learned over and over again by people that are put in prominent positions that work for companies where your profile is going to be heightened and what you say and do matters and affects their business. So, I mean, like, first and foremost, it was wrong what she said, and it was stupid that she said it, but that's the way that life works when you're out in the public eye like that and working for such a major corporation. You know,
1: the, the, the one thing I really want to bring to light here is that so many people in our society are willfully ignorant in a million, a million, million ways, but particularly it is the most asinine conversation about free freedom of speech, because we are not that stupid as a society to understand what that really means. Freedom of speech does not mean I can say whatever I want and nobody can say anything back to me or do anything back to me. Disney is a multi-billion, near trillion dollar company. If you say something that messes with their money, they will fire you. No different than the company that I work for. If I do something stupid and it gets back to them and it hurts their business, they will fire me and I don't make millions of dollars. So like it's not a hard thing to understand and there is no persecution of Dina Carano. She got fired from a job because she did something that hurt the company. It is as simple as could be, but we have made this, and people have made this, into this this war of ideologies when it's just common sense. Freedom of speech. And the lawyer can, I, I, I see to the lawyer to explain these things from a more legal perspective. But freedom of speech was only created so that if you said something about the government, you would be thrown in jail. That's the only reason if there was no such, if freedom of speech was as cut and dry as people think it is, then there would be no liable laws. There would be no, um, there would be no, um, what's the other law that's, that's um, if I say something about you, you can me that's slander. Slander. There, slander. There'd be no slander. There'd be laws. no
0: defamation. We'll, we'll just group That'd them all not. together into defamation.
1: I right. def
3: so- it all over Ray every week.
0: I, Whoa, are you going to do the butt yeah. salt water? Go ahead, Tony. We're saying to,
3: <laughs> Tune in to the three-man weave fans only.
2: <laughs> it's a little... We don't need to know what you guys do in the boudoir. Anyway.
3: I, Dave, you could, you could speak not only as a lawyer part of this side of it, but also as someone who is Jewish, right? I mean, you got all sides covered here.
0: Well, it goes deeper than that. I mean... <laughs> you know I mean, what I mean. I know what you mean. I mean, for me personally... Yeah, I mean, half my family was lost in the concentration camp. You know, my grandmother got out of Hungary in 1939, right when Hitler invades Poland, comes over on the Queen Mary. So it's very personal to me, obviously. Uh, I, lots of stories that I've heard about the camps and that sort. Of, but all that aside, yeah, like Ray saying, freedom of speech does not entitle you to say anything you want without repercussions. You, you can't... Say something that if a a corporation or a company or, you know, whether it's a multi-billion dollar corporation or a small mom and pop store, most of them have some sort of company policy or store policy or employer policy against saying racist, stupid shit. That's not a violation of your freedom of speech. That's their policy. Like Ray said, it was designed to be able to enable people to speak out against the government without fear of being beheaded, like in France or England. Like, you know, they wanted to be different than that imperialistic bullshit. That's where freedom of speech comes from. But yeah, like Ray said, you can't incite riots, which is at the heart of the whole Trump thing was freedom of speech is one thing. You those are fighting words. You incited an insurrection. That's what people don't understand about that. But yeah, I mean, anytime you're you're going to equate the Republicans and the republican viewpoint and if i say something that i believe the re- election was rigged and all this kind of shit and you're and you're basically called a dumbass for saying that how you equate that to being a fucking jew in nazi occupied germany or anywhere else is literally the dumbest fucking thing i've heard i know 2021 is new pretty new i don't think we're going to hear anything dumber than that as the year goes on she deserves what she I'll got give it- I, well, yeah, but I mean, but, give me time. you can't when when like here, Tony when Tony sent it to me, he said when he showed me what's going on. The number one trend in the world was fire Gina Carano. When you're trending number one, yeah, Disney's going to do something about that. Right.
2: Here, here's the thing: she go land on her feet. She's already got a new deal to do something with Ben Shapiro, and well, regardless of what it is, like I'm just saying. We like poor, poor Gita Carano. The message that that will get sent and that's already started is there's now a, an extreme boycott Disney campaign. Which I love how you people say you're going to boycott Disney. None of you are going to fucking boycott Disney. None of you are going to do it. You know you're not going to do it. You're kidding yourself if you think it is. Uh, so if you think you are, because you're not, because Disney will do something and you'll want to, you'll want to participate and
1: watch it. Ninety four million I, subscribers. Right. Ninety four million. million.
0: Break out exactly Black Widow, right, right Ray? Break out Black Widow. Give it already. to me. Give us what Relax. we want.
2: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, stop sidetracking the conversation
0: because I have a more important question. What are we doing with Cara Dune? I mean, we all discussed this as to, I don't think she's integral to the Mandalorian. She's absolutely integral to the Ranger story. Recast her. I disagree. Of course you do, but you're wrong. But go ahead and tell me why you're right.
2: I mean, I'm not wrong. I'm saying that... Sure, it would be nice to have her, and we, we know we know two characters in that whole freaking show. You telling me that you have to have her as a ranger of the republic? You don't no, have to have her you don't as have a ranger of the republic if they don't want to recast her. I don't think they don't. I don't think they have to.
0: Well, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that you know people were expecting Cara Dune to be central to that show. Sure, but like you're right. saying, Expect- nothing happened. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they could they could completely just say, well, let's go in this direction. Let's do it a completely different story. Let's create Rangers of what is it Androth or some shit like that. I don't know what what the I forget what it's called. But um, I mean, writing her out of Mandalorian is not because I really think Mandalorian season three is going in a different direction. They're going to steer away from what happened in the past. You won't see Carl Weathers. You won't see Gina Carano. Obviously, they're going in in a in a different direction. I really really think that. So as great as her character was for the first two seasons i don't think it matters for season 3 rangers is is a tougher question but you raise a good point pat that you know no one knew anything about the show so if she's not there you know the tree falls in the forest and no <laughs> one's around to hear it does it make a noise
1: <laughs> that sort of thing um let me jump in here uh because i when we have these conversations i like that we all have different perspectives and you two are like massive diehard star wars fans and I'm, I don't want to say I'm casual. I'm a little more than casual, but I am much less than you guys are. So from my perspective, yes, the Mandalorian, can, you, you, don't, you don't need her on that show anymore because, like you are saying, they've, they've told that arc of what she was important for, and they've moved on. When it comes to Rangers, I told you guys this in the chat, and I meant it, and I, I know it's a, stupid, it's a stupid thing, but it's the truth. I would have never watched Mandalorian unless I was bored one day and popped it on or if you guys wouldn't have promoted it to me for the good of the show to watch it. And now I love it. And I feel stupid for never have watched it. Watch have never have watched it, but there was no draw for me because I didn't read the books. I, you know, Boba Fett, I mean, Boba Fett cool, but nothing else about that idea of that show drew me. Right. So thinking about the Ranger show, if you've watched Mandalorian, yeah, I care about Ahsoka Tano now. Cool, she got a show. Well, I clearly watched the the prequel trilogy, so cool. I care about Obi Wan. Like all the other shows that would be that I would be interested in, I have a frame of reference. Yeah, there were some Rangers in the prequels, but like other than that, the show was built not only around, but if I'm not mistaken, they 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 built that because of her, because her. Uh, character got so big in The Mandalorian and they said, well, let's give her a platform and let's do this with it. So it Cara Dune not being in that show, not Gina Carano, but Cara Dune makes me less interested in the show just before it's even come out. Now, if it comes out and I hear great things, I'm going to watch it because I'm on a show that talks about stuff like that. But my interest is severely lower now because if, she's, if Cara Dune isn't on the show, why would I watch? What is the hook for me other than the Star Wars?
2: So I have a thought. What if Bill Burr's character ends up being a part of this show?
1: That would be dope, but I, didn't, I would need to see that. I would, I would need to know he's a part of the show. That would need to be announced in some way. Because you're, if saying,
3: just, you're saying after everything that's happened,
1: not wanting to watch it and then watching it and liking it,
3: and now that Cara Dune's not going to be on there, you don't have any more reason to watch The Mandalorian because Cara Dune's character's gone? Is not The
1: Mandalorian. I'm talking about the Ranger show. Oh, okay, Gotcha. Well, you know why? Because in the same way you didn't get hooked to Mandalorian, you're going to get hooked on this one. No, you're right. I'm not saying I'm not going to watch it. I'm not saying that I'm not going to enjoy it. I'm saying I'm not
2: interested in it on Bandwagon Nerds. Exactly.
1: (laughs) But my interest of it is is near zero at this point if she's not involved, because that was the hook into getting me interested in what's possibly going to happen on the show before it comes out. That's all I'm saying.
3: That's fair. I would hope I would hope that fans that are like you that have watched just the Mandalorian though would know that now. Hey, maybe I need to watch these side series, even if I don't have nothing that's enticing me to go into it. But I yeah. see where you're coming from.
2: Right. So I think more to come. I, we'll see if it gets recast. If it doesn't get recast. If they do recast Cara Dune, all I got to say is she better be as thick
0: as Gina Carano was because she was thick.
1: Zaya Deville, y'all. Sonia Deville's perfect. <laughs> there you
0: today. go. I was going to ask any suggestions as to who would be good to recast. Sonia Deville's a good choice.
3: I'm watching Serena Williams play tennis right now. She'd be looking real good wow. out there. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Lucy Lawless is a little too old. Probably can't get Zena out here, but uh, she's a little too
1: tall too. Like she's like a giant. Everybody you had in the casting call for She-Hulk. Just send oh. them over. How it about does, this? We're talking down. we're talking for I, wrestlers.
0: She, talking for Raquel Gonzalez. Now, she's tall, but, man, put her in there. Good call. Well, well. Cool. we'll
2: have to wait and see. We'll see what turns up. We got one last thing I want to talk about before we go to Here break. Here it comes,
0: Ray. Here it comes, baby. <laughs> and, and I don't
2: have some fancy intro for it this time other than to say, Zack Snyder... And I knew this was going to happen. They had announced on Friday that this trailer was going to drop. The official, the first official trailer for Zack Snyder's Justice League dropped on the interwebs today. If you follow the Justice League, Zack Snyder's Justice League on on the Twitter and the Instagram, you got a a brief internet introduction to the trailer from Zack himself, and you got about two and a half minutes of footage. Before I get my thoughts, I'm just going to hand the floor over to superfans fans. Actually, you know what? No, I'm going to do, I'm going to, I'm going to go first that way you all can be happy about it and, and nerd dumb the baseballers can get all excited afterwards. Cause here's my thing. And it's so typical Patrick O'Dowd. The trailer was fine. And the trailer, the trailer was fine. And if I can give it two capital K's, I would give it two capital K's and, uh, I came to okay.
4: There's a to pay for you to get down on
2: Okay Yeah It's
0: <laughs> so great and I just literally she, 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 texted she, 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 Tony here's something the,
2: Here's the thing One I'm, gonna, let's, I'm just going to start with the big reveal at the end Jared Leto and his Joker character We know is in four minutes worth of footage Based on what's been talked about Four minutes of Jared Leto there was some new footage that was shown but most of it is repurposed footage we've all seen before. With a little bit of touches of dark side, we got another look at Superman in his black uniform. And it really just looks like a video that high like if you are here's the thing is, everybody not a secret, not as Dax Snyder guy, not big on the on the original version of this movie. If you are hyped for this movie, this trailer probably did a good job of hyping people for for this movie if you're like me who's just kind of like eh, it didn't really do anything to change my head eh. like okay i'm gonna watch it because we're gonna review it on bandwagon nerds but you know the little down was like oh when the joker turned up but like i to me is fine so go ahead get get your jollies off gentlemen have some fun
1: Tell so, me why
2: I should be excited for this movie.
1: Well, first and foremost, just in general, the same reason you love Blade Runner, the director's cut, is the same reason you should be interested in this. I think every. No, I
2: don't think it's going to be a different movie. I don't. I don't think it's. In fact, I. I actually think it's going to be. If it's going to be a reversion to Super Batman versus Superman, I want to watch. To quote Ray Ray Cash, I want to watch it less.
1: I am okay. less interested. That's fair, Sorry. but all we can go by. It's- all we can go by is what we've seen. The trailer was massively different in tone and scale, even, even in the framing than what the original movie was. So if nothing else, there is a massive difference in the movie in that regard. And those are three things that change the way you perceive it as you watch it. So number one, it is a different movie in that regard. So yes. Number two, I think the cool thing is you get, the 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 biggest failure of Justice League and uh, of Batman vs Superman, in my opinion, was the fact that they tried to do too much in one movie. And this movie being four hours, which is still <laughs> egregious amount of time, allows for them to kind of flesh out things that may have been interesting but only had a small amount. <laughs> um, for example, some of the things I saw interesting was, of course, the nightmare. Uh, premonition is probably the the biggest thing people take take from it, but getting to see why Cyborg became Cyborg, getting to see that uh, the the very beginning of Justice League when they're telling the story of the how the Mother Boxes in general and all the different people coming to fight Steppenwolf, that's a really cool idea that I think they're gonna flesh out as you saw some in the trailer. Um, so I, I just I I like the idea. The Joker thing was cool, just because it's Joker, and I I wanted I wanted to see Leto get a chance to to do his role, but that's like the least important part of the trailer to me. Seeing Dark Side, seeing a different looking Steppenwolf, which was very good to see, because the other Steppenwolf just didn't didn't work for me. Um, Black Suit Superman, um, the banter between uh Bruce and Diana. Just everything looking, everything looked and felt and felt different. And I know we're used to seeing superhero movies with a lighthearted tone, even if it's dangerous. But nothing about this movie should be lighthearted, and nothing about this trailer was lighthearted. And I, I think that's that bodes well for the perception of what is going to be when it comes out. I I
0: remain. Cautiously optimistic about this movie. I, I agree with Ray that the biggest thing about the trailer is the focal point. There's a paradigm shift of the focal point of the first Justice League in this one. We are completely drift gone away from Steppenwolf, and it's all about Darkseid. And yeah, it's stereotypical to say that
2: you saw thirty sec. You saw like three seconds of Darkseid. Okay. You saw, you but it saw, doesn't. It doesn't matter because about, oh, Steppenwolf
0: sorry. took a knee. Took the need of dark side, which tells me right there, that's the focus. Now I agree, there's not much focus on, not much showing of dark side, but we have now established the hierarchy, which was alluded to in the original Justice League, but now it's overt and it's out there in this one. I agree with Ray Steppenwolf looks a lot better. He looks, uh, it's a completely different character. The looks different. Hopefully, he's portrayed differently. Uh, but there's a definite shift in the tone and the tenor of where this movie is going. Uh, I do like they're they They're taking time. I, I especially like this focus on Cyborg. Ray Fisher controversy notwithstanding. They didn't shy away from that. They are showing that because that's integral to this story. It's stereotypical to say that the DC Universe is just this dark, very dark version of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which has got a lot of colors and a lot of lightheartedness. But I think Ray's right. There's nothing you compare dark side to Thanos and there's nothing light about dark side. It's got to be a darker movie. They should steer into that fucking turn as hard as they can. Make it as dark as possible. Make it to the point where you really get the sense of what apocalypse is, what dark side's all about because it looks like they're going to apocalypse to fight this battle. Um, it's it's encouraging. They they do look like they're going to spend some time with some backstory with Cyborg and Flash. I mean, I thought about it. The reason, one of the big reasons why Marvel works so well is just the fact that you care about those characters so much. Like, when Tony dies, it's such a gut punch to all of us because we spent a decade with him. And DC books their movies or does their movies like WWE books stuff. Hot (laughs) shot this to the front. We're not going to do any long-term booking. And that's why no I mean, when Superman dies in BVS, you care. What's that? Said Roman Reigns says hi. Well, yeah. Well, Roman. Yeah, they
2: shot him. They hotshotted him like crazy. Like no long term storytelling there at all. Anyway. Whoa. Well, now there is.
0: Wait, yeah. Wait. Whoa. I, what are you talking about? You're going to compare Roman Reigns and and that they kind of lucked into the fact that hey, we're going to turn him. heel... anyway. We're, this is a wrestling Dave, podcast.
3: Dave. Uh-huh. Dave, have you met our good friend Patrick the Spoon O'Dowd?
0: <laughs> anyway, uh. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, the the trailer's cool. I'm cautiously optimistic. I remain cautiously optimistic. Yeah, I'm going to watch it. I want to see what happens. Will it be a, a appreciably better movie probably? But yeah, the Joker thing to me, it's like okay, this is part of Bruce's dream sequence. He talks about having a dream. So he talks about that. Joker's there. I've heard stuff like they're going to tie in um you know, Batman has I think it's it's the Robin suit in the Batcave, right, in Justice League. Yeah. Which I'm guessing is Damian Wayne's. I don't think it's Jason Todd's. So they're not gonna bring that in. So I'm guessing no, it's
1: it's, da- it's supposed to be Jason Todd's. if we we're going by the, what the old movie said, because on the on it it said you kill you let your family die.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: So it's supposed to be Jason Todd. It was in the original one. I don't know if they're gonna Yeah play we'll that into this
0: one. We'll see. I mean, maybe and that's where Joker comes in where Batman has to confront whatever demons he's facing through the Joker. But it's a cool trailer. Sure. I yep. I'm I was well, gonna Zach, watch Zach it has no, always ma- been good at making a cool trailer. Well yeah, I was gonna watch it no matter what. So it's
3: so first things first, I mean that in the best possible way as far as podcasting goes, being the spoon, Patrick. It trust me, I mean that in the best possible way. Second of all, the thing that I like is they're retelling the story and they're giving themselves time enough to do it. Moving forward, this is what it, they're going to be doing they're redoing it because they want to tell the story in a different way and patrick i think you should be excited about that because you weren't necessarily happy with the way they were telling it before i mean to dave's point it feels a little bit different right i mean does any of that make sense yes
2: and i didn't like the story when the guy who's now retelling the story was telling the story in the first place so that's that's the thing you gotta remember Because this is now an offshoot of what he started to build in Batman versus Superman. The the voiceover at the beginning of that trailer is Lex Luthor's they rang the bell after credit sequence from Batman versus Superman. So I get the I get the continuity and I get the connectivity. I one wrote in the accuser about a knee to Thanos. Loki took a knee to Thanos. All I saw was a redux of what the marvel did except it's dark and this i i struggle with this dc philosophy that it has to be dark to the point where it is flat out fucking depressing to watch you can go dark and you can be gritty and not be, like, just bleak as hell. Like, what are we doing here? I don't trust Zack Snyder. I'll, I'll lay that out. I'll be completely honest. I I think, yes, you're going to get four hours of what you hope is character development. Four hours could also be a bloated mess of a movie, which, shocker, even though I like it, was what The Watchmen was. It was what Batman versus Superman was. It's what he's done. He has... T- history with with this problematic long overdone poor exposition movies so i i'm gonna be he has to surprise me and no trailer honestly is probably gonna bring me out of that and that's unfair sure i just i don't i don't trust it
1: Can can i speak to the dark and gritty point though i want to retort that real fast um Because you're, you're spot on. But I think what you're missing is you have to take everything into consideration. right? You have to look at everything in the scope of what is being told. Going into this movie, Superman just died. That's Superman true. was the beacon of hope for the entire half world. Of
2: the world was destroyed. Or half of the world was killed at the end of Infinity War. Half
1: of them gone. Right. And Endgame was extremely dis- depressing. The, 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 the entire... Original portion of Endgame was it was really depressing until they got some hope that they could figure out how to get the stones back.
2: For an but, hour.
1: That's that's my point is for an hour. Not for seven hours, which is what we're right, really doing. You're right, but you're missing the point, Pat. But the the point is it was it was only depressing. It stopped being depressing when they had hope that they could fix it. They don't, they're not once Superman comes back, the movie will the tone will change. But they don't know when Superman is coming back. Right, so I'm just saying, going into this movie, the, the 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 original tone of the movie has to be dark and depressing because every single bit of hope they their best superhero is a guy dressed in a bat suit who's rich, like they they so you know what I'm saying. So like the the tone has to be darker until they give a get a reason to have hope. So when Superman comes back, you'll see the tone change. But you're just assuming that it's gonna be gritty the whole four hours. It's not the it's just not Batman versus Superman. The entire movie wasn't gritty the whole time. It had its moments.
0: Perk. And moments. 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 I, I just think it depends I, on the story they're telling. I, they're they're telling the JLA origin story from basically the new fifty-two merged in with Injustice. That's a dark story. DC has dabbled with lighter stuff like Shazam and Aquaman. And you could see that they can make a lighter story. I just think that this is the story that they want to tell. And and it and it's not a very uplifting, and enlightening story. I mean, to the point about endgame and infinity war I mean when you're dealing with cosmic stuff like that it's going to be lightened up and then you look at the characters in, in you know guardians of the galaxy iron man a lot of characters stayed true to who they've been for much of that of the MCU which is kind of funny that sort of thing we haven't astal- I mean, none of the DC characters with the exception of Shazam have been funny so even the thor just, part when you go
1: see thor it's pretty
2: funny
0: which one Flash Ezra Ezra Miller. Yeah, okay, Flash. he's he's the one, he's their one. There you go, he's their one. There you, they
1: you know, go. Even even the Thor part in Infinity War when you see him as the you know fad and drinking, that's massively depressing because that dude is dealing with major PTSD. But we laughed at it because Thor is Thor, right? That that in in Infinity War in, in game was horribly depressing until they figured out how to get the stones back.
2: Okay. I I <laughs> I,
1: just, this, I think we're going to
2: talk ourselves into circles here. Here's here we all know that I'm going to watch this with you guys, and if I if I'm wrong, uh, I'll admit that I'm wrong. If I if I come out and I enjoy the movie, I'll admit that I enjoyed the movie. You know I will. I mean, it's not like it could be the any worse than the Fifth Element or Rise of Skywalker. So, with that. <laughs>
3: you got roasted for the fifth element by the way
2: oh i know there's a lot of i stand by it it's a terrible film anyway that's gonna do it for our first half of our show we're gonna go into a quick commercial break as i continue to stir the proverbial pot Before we go to our commercials, I need to remind you all to head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash The Chair Shot and check out all of the great shirts we have available for folks to pick up. We've got the OG Chair Shot logo. We've got sayings from various shows like hashtag journalism, hashtag save tag team wrestling. We've got the... You know, the top shirt of Miranda Morales, the queen of soft style, we've got bandwagon nerd shirts, there's winner is you shirts, we got them all, everybody hates Greg, which is true, everybody hates Greg, even thirst trap Greg, they still hate him. We love giving everybody quality content. We love putting these podcasts out. We love fighting over the Justice League. And we get to keep doing that with the support of all of you. And the best way you can do that is by heading over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash The Chair Shot and picking up a shirt. You can pick up an either either a traditional style shirt or if you're feeling a little fancy, spend an extra 4 to $5 and get it soft style. Your, your, your giblets will appreciate it. When we come back. Part 2 of the 90s Project. As we go into our top ten family films of the 90s, you're listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com.
3: Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tun here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade. You can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code ChairShot. Head to AngryLemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code ChairShot to save 10%. That's Angry Lemonade.
4: Welcome to the nineties, Mr. <laughs>
5: That's
2: right, folks. There you go. We are back. Again, special shout out to the live studio audience. Let's hear for the live studio audience today. You've been wonderful putting together some of these great sound bites for us. As Ray Cash mentioned, the budget went up. The budget went up. That's right. We're we're really building something big here at Bandwagon Nerds. And we are jumping in to our second week of the 90s project. Reliving Ray Cash's childhood as the poor guy. Apparently has about 7,000 – you're not that much. You're way older than than Ray. I saw you pointing at yourself. You're like 7,000 years older than Ray, Tony. I,
3: I know how it is. I was still less than – I was in the 90s. At points in time in the 90s, very early in the 90s, I was less than 10 years old. At points in time. So in 1990, PC Tony <laughs> was <laughs> 10 years old. In 1999, I was very much able to vote. There you go. Anyway, that's right. We're gonna t- we're gonna be reliving a lot of Ray
2: Ray Cash's childhood. And before we get into it, like, just like last week, top ten films. These are our lists uh, of top ten family films from the nineties. I found this list to be kind of interesting because, Sonny, we we joked about it, but for the you know for the first half of the nineties, before I, I wasn't in high school yet, and so a lot of like the films that I picked. Are really from like the first half of that decade when you when you kind of look at them as they broke down. When I was younger and this and I was the target audience, and some of the later stuff. There's only one exception that I have that's something that's really really late. I think uh, the last my number three it was made in 1999, and, and that was really the only sort of later 90s 90s one. I'm just wondering. One, I'm wondering how tough this was for Dave since he was 47 in 1990 <laughs> and, and you know and, you know he was not the demographic at the time so I'm not, I'm not sure how this went for you dave as opposed to ray who was you know in the in the womb still still watching
0: can, watching, I, you know, can I answer ray I, I did something very strategic with this list patrick i deliberately put stuff on this list that will now free up additional stuff that i can put on our comedy list because they're so uh, cross there's did. such a crossover and there's stuff on here that's I would say if you held a gun to my head I said all right maybe it's more comedy than family but it's got enough of a family tie that I'm going to put it on my list but no nah, I mean yeah I was what the 90s I was in my late 20s I guess 24 47 40, No not quite 47 yet but uh, 802 sir But here's the thing is because I have kids like you Pat and your kids are younger than mine by far uh, I watched most of these movies with them so And especially like my number two is very personal to me because when my daughter was just like, you know, like one or two, she would watch that movie nonstop. And so I saw it so many times. It's got a very personal place to me. But we'll talk about that as we come as we go along.
2: Excellent. Excellent. Ray, you don't get to share your 9000 honorable mentions, but how hard was this list for you to make?
1: I spent three days on it. (laughs) <laughs> three days. Oh my goodness. I spent three days on it going back and forth um when I had free time. Um what was hard for me is we we basically put three categories into one category. Animation, you have family movies, and then you have just simple just simply I think G-rated movies could be a whole nother thing in its own right. Um so I struggled a lot and I ended up really leaving out a lot of live action stuff and as I ignore the live studio audience. And uh I'm a wrestling fan, Tony. The studio audience doesn't bother me, bro. Sir, sure, you um, you
2: can't ignore the live studio audience. That just doesn't that just doesn't happen.
1: Give me a- send your hate tweets
0: to at it's Ray oh sorry, Ray, go ahead.
1: Please do I drink your tears for breakfast. R E Y as in uh, C A S H as in dollar signs. Thank you, sir. Um, but yeah, um I did i I struggled, and um, I think no matter what, I think there was about five or six that would have been on the list either way, but there's so many fringe ones that just was really hard to kind of yeah. through there's
2: at least there's at least two films that i I strongly considered putting on mine uh one that i I'm sure is on somebody else's list. the other one I'm a little less certain, but we'll see. Tony anything to add before we jump into this anything you want to say about building your list uh, seeing the big head shake so this week's order as uh, as we shift things over Tony went from first to last we move up Dave so it goes Dave Ray Dave Ray Patrick and then Tony um yeah, Tony's bringing up the rear that's that's right live studio audience Got to to get it done back there take care of business. make um Friendly reminder: If somebody raise your hand, if it's higher on your list, make make it known. That's always the way we do it. And uh, we'll we'll stop wasting time here. We'll turn it over to Dave. Dave, give us your number ten family film from the nineteen nineties.
0: Yeah, this list was kind of tough, but at number ten is uh this one. I don't I don't know if it's going to appear on anybody else's, but it's Cool Runnings. I'll- oh. Feel the rhythm, feel the rhyme, get on up, it's bobsled time. I love this movie that's, so much. That's honorable mention number 37. <laughs> uh, the the quasi-true story of the Jamaican bobsled team, which of course makes how Jamaica has a bobsled team, I don't know. But the movie is, is so much about, I mean, the conflict between, I forget, one of the guys and his dad. I mean, and that's the big thing. And and him standing up to his father at a time when his dad wants him to leave. And come back, and, and I mean, it's, it's, it's such a... I mean, I just... I don't know why, but I love the movie. Like Tony said, the beginning... Uh, the, the, the mantra that they chant going down the bobsled run. Um, this is just one of my favorite movies from the 90s. I, I say, and whenever it's on, I'll sit there and watch it. It's fun. It's funny. It, there is a good message to be told about this thing. And it is quasi-true. I mean, it's based on a true story. Jamaica did have a bobsled team that... You know, they take these guys, Jamaica's known for their sprinters and their runners, and they say, well, if we put them on ice and they get off to that good start, that'll help. And they quickly learn that there's much more to it than that. But they earn the respect of countries like the Germans and the Swiss. You know, it, it, I mean, the one guy saying, you know, we have to be like Could the Swiss stop talking about the damn Swiss. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so Cool Runnings Cool Runnings is number 10 for me.
3: Another excellent John Candy movie and Dougie Doug.
1: What a performance. What a name. That's one yeah. of the greatest names in history. I'm all, I'm okay, man.
0: That's right. John Candy was the manager. Banned yeah. from everything because he cheated.
3: Right. And that's oh, the just, bullshit okay. part of the story from real life. There was no cheating, ban, view American down in Jamaica, scouting bobsled guys. I mean, that's right. not how that happened. But it's perfect for hey, John it's, Candy. it's
2: Disney, so we should boycott Disney over that. uh Right excellent excellent first choice way to get us off to a strong start mr ray cash your number 10
1: i'll give my number 10 but i do have to say one honorable mention and i know you're gonna be mad at me but i apologize but i think this movie was too important to batman mask of the phantasm i think is really important just to shout out because that's the og batman animated movie all so i'm gonna say that's so I shut, I shut it down my number 10 is hercules that was actually on tv today I I just It just went off, yeah. Oh, yeah. On free Um, form or something like that. We good to go? Nobody else?
2: No, go for it. I don't have it.
1: Um, I don't have to tell you the story. First and foremost, they kind of mixed a a multitude of heroes and different mythologies into this, but nonetheless, Hercules, son of Zeus, he's half human, half half gods, so on and so forth. Um, But the reason I have it on my list, number one, is because it's an infinitely fantastic and fun movie to watch. Very easy. Um, some of the best uh, voice performances you'll ever you'll ever hear. James Woods deserves an Oscar for his uh, voice performance alone. The Voice of Hades is one of the greatest voice performances I think you'll ever hear, especially in that decade. Um, other than that, the movie's fantastic, but I think the, the, the takeaway for me from this movie is the muses... And the soundtrack, maybe the second best soundtrack ever. We all know what number one is. We'll get to that later on in this, in this, in this list, but the soundtrack's fantastic. It is a beautifully done movie. It's really fun. Um, when he's fighting a lot of the monsters, if you will, it, it it has a really cool way they frame it to make it look more menacing and more comic book esque. Great movie. Danny DeVito's the man. Love it. Uh, Number 10, yeah.
2: Awesome. Uh, My number 10 will jump into the world of live action as well, and that's Steven Spielberg's movie Hook, starring Dustin Hoffman and Robin Williams, and it's higher on, it looks like, at least PC Tunney's list. So that'll move it over to Tunney for his number 10.
3: My number 10, I believe, is higher on your list. Um, Quack, quack, quack. Yep, higher on my list. So then number 9 for me will be... Homeward Bound.
1: That was my. That was that was actually. If you don't believe, another me, one of your honorable mentions. Uh, that's that's right on the list. Yes,
0: honorable mention quick. number twenty-five for me. There you go. Shout
3: out to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles the movie nineteen ninety honorable mention. Homeward Bound. Sally Field and Michael J. Fox. That's how you do it, Ray. Real quick like that is the story of a family going on vacation. They take their dogs to a ranch to be st- uh, stay there, and they get worried. They escape, and it's their journey home. Uh, the, the You talk about great voice performances. I mean, Michael J. Fox, Sally Field, Don Amici. It's a really fun story, and I think I enjoyed it that much more because of how old I was at the time. So Homer Bound for me is my number nine.
0: Sassy. Right, Sassy the cat, man. She was awesome. Yep. Great right,
1: cat's rule, dog's rule.
2: Um, never saw that movie. My number nine. Okay. Yep. My number nine. Sorry, it was- it was all that movie my number nine was a hocus pocus that Midler, uh sarah jessica parker and that woman from sister act that sings really loud i can't remember her name
1: kathy najima or young
2: young thor a young thor birch i watch this movie every halloween with with a little doubt got it on blu-ray it's a fun fun little flick the clearly holds a place in a lot of people's hearts because we're now doing a nostalgia sequel in some way shape or form where we're bringing back the sisters to uh to terrorize little children again but uh you know nothing will ever replace in in my in my own personal heart the scene with gary marshall and penny marshall where they are walking around halloween and the witches think that gary marshall and his devil's costume is satan and they call him the master and penny marshall comes down with like curlers in her hair and they call her medusa and they think that they're married it's it's just great stuff they they believe halloween is real and it's hilarious it's a a fun fun movie i really really enjoy it and that was my that was my number that was my number nine
1: so my number nine is a movie i know none of you have on your list but it is probably my favorite movie on this list to be honest it is my favorite Mickey Mouse character of all time, Goofy, and a Goofy movie. Lower on your list? (laughs) Um, So, again, mind you, I'm 32, so in the 90s, I was from, I believe, from 2 to 12. So, of course, Mickey Mouse was a big part of my life, and I always felt bad for Goofy because, one, he's the funniest, and two, I thought he was in a weird way, the coolest, but everybody else had a mate, right? Goofy, I mean, Mickey had Minnie, Uh, Donald had uh, Daisy, and everybody had a mate, so Goofy was always on his own or he had to be with the cow. Do you know why uh, Mickey left Minnie? Please, please, go ahead, tell me. She was fucking Goofy. Yeah. (sighs) Um, But the reason I love a Goofy movie one is because the story of Max is so cool. Every kid can kind of, especially being raised by a single parent like I was, can be, relate to the story of the son trying to be his own man with the overbearing parent. I still don't know who let Goofy smash and have a baby, but shout out to Goofy. And their story of just trying to be together and, and Goofy trying to keep his son close and whatnot. And Powerline's Eye to Eye is still one of the dopest songs you'll ever hear in a movie. A goof movie's fantastic. Shout out to the perfect cast. I tried to do that when I went fishing and hit somebody in the face with the lure, so don't do that. Nonetheless, great movie. So fun. The perfect family movie. The, probably the best of all of the Disney characters' movies, I think, out there. Beautiful movie. How, what do you call it when a dog
3: and a cow have a... What is that? Maximilian. Sorry. Just wondering. I didn't know why. I was just, like... You know. Is it a doll? Is, is,
1: is it, it Clarabelle's Clara son? I don't know that they say. They never said. We've, we've never seen Goofy's uh, Max's mom. We never knew. She's, is, if they go by the cartoons,
3: if they go by the old cartoons from the 30s and 40s, it, it is what, it, it, Goofy's girlfriend
1: is a cow. I don't remember her name. I think right. Daisy, maybe. It's, it's so, Bell. so it's, it's Clarabelle. So her. technically, Disney wants you to believe that Goofy's not a dog, that, he's, that he is some type of cow. I I call bullshit.
0: You guys remember in uh, Stand By Me? Don't they have oh. that conversation in Stand By Me? What the fuck is Goofy anyway? Is he a dog? Is he something else? He's a dog. He's a dog.
1: cow. Well, they fixed it by saying he's a goof. He's that's why he's Goofy Goof, and not you know not Goofy Cow or Goofy Dog. He because if Goofy really is a dog and he's over here just like letting Pluto walk on a leash, bro, what you doing? Oh. I, and on that, Dave, I think yeah, you should.
0: Yeah, I, us- I never, I never thought we would get into the uh, existential crisis of what yeah, is Goofy. We got it, got The weeds over Goofy, man. Yeah, I tell you, uh, my number nine is. Tuddy's going to explain it to us. Uh, my number nine is Beauty and the Beast. Not higher on anybody else's. All right, that's okay. I, I know it's one of Ray's honorable mentions.
3: <laughs> yep.
0: I, 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 I've seen
3: I've seen a few actual live performances of Beauty and the Beast, and I thought they were excellent. So yeah, yeah I Go mean ahead.
0: Disney did a pretty good yeah, one of the better live action adaptations of it, but the original to me is still the soundtrack is, is fantastic, you know. I mean, Gaston, that that's that song. And it's just such a great story as to just this whole I mean, it, it's hard to explain because there's so much great stuff about it. All the all the um objects that are actually People who have had this curse put upon them and and they keep you involved in the whole thing until the end, until you're like, and it's such a great message as to not judging a book by its cover, you know, stuff like that. Not, you know, just loving somebody purely on the way they look, but getting into who they are, what they are, what makes them tick, that sort of thing. Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, it's just, it's It's always been one of my, uh, one of my favorite movies. So yeah, Beauty and the Beast, number nine for me. Oh, that means it's back to me at eight. Back? Yeah, you uh, actually, Pat, your eight and your seven are identical to mine. So, we Oh get, are they? Yeah, we've got the same. My number eight's the little giants, same as yours.
2: All right, so we'll hold for a minute.
0: As the little higher, giants? The little giants.
2: No, it's it's yeah. Mine mine is eight as well. So, we'll 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 go to Ray and then Ray will give us his number eight and then we'll talk about the little giants.
1: Okay. Um, so I'll be quick. Uh, number eight is Mulan for me. Anybody? Yeah, a
2: little Disney heavy, man.
1: It's pretty much all Disney. Yes. Um, okay. I'm saying, um, Mulan, I think to me is the best until recent years is the best Disney Disney princess they've had only because she was the first one to break the trope of being a damsel and um she she is considered a princess, even though she's not a princess in any form or fashion, but she's considered one of them but she broke the uh she she broke that trope um she saved all of china uh and of course you know the story's not true and all but um she fought Genghis Khan. damn near single handedly right um wanted to save her father and the honor of her family uh by pretending to be a man and it's a fantastic movie. Um, Eddie Murphy is fantastic as Mushu. Again, talk about great voice roles. Knocks out the park. So much to the point where the live action was not as enjoyable because there was no Mushu. Um, yeah, go check that out. Lee Shang uh is I think one of the more redeeming and more and probably one of the better um counterparts to the Disney Disney princesses. Lee Shang was pretty was a pretty good, dig- pretty good dude. Um, fantastic movie, man. Go watch it, check it out. Mulan's a break.
2: I love Mulan as a movie. It's really, really, really good. Uh, the one thing I always found really interesting that movie was actually aired in a course that I took in college. Uh, I was an English major, and it was aired in a course on heroes and heroism and like their portrayals. And it was a big step. The movie itself was a big step for Disney. And at the same time, I remember. They, they didn't completely get out of their own way because Mulan is the most competent member of her, her unit, right? Her military unit. Then you look at the people she's better than, and they're all thoroughly incompetent soldiers. Yeah. They have to help her to, to help save the day. When she succeeds, she gives everything up and goes home and waits for what's-his-name to come back to her. Those are, like, those are the nitpicks on an otherwise great movie because it is a big step for Disney and paved the way for the movies we're getting now because, you know, we probably don't get um, I'm going to mess up, Ray and Dragon um, Frozen Frozen, like Frozen 2, even more so than Frozen, but uh, Mulan did it first and it, it was it was a baby step movie for Disney, but was very much, you know, still a huge deal for them at the time so, all right, that brings it to my number eight. And we can let gentlemen, let's just talk about the annexation of Puerto Rico. The greatest football play in the history of football plays in the Little Giants. Uh, just a beautiful, fun little underdog story starring Rick Moranis and Ed O'Neill as brothers. Ed O'Neill playing the jock, former jock. Um, bigger stronger older brother who coaches this peewee football team right and has tryouts and always excludes all these kids that are are just not not the not the top athletes and rick Moranis is one once as a dad wants to give these kids an opportunity to play so he takes it upon himself to coach a small group of kids uh they challenge the jock team in an effort to uh to win um the right to be the team representing their town in this peewee football uh whatever you want to call it and uh it's just it's a cute film it's hilarious but there's this computer nerdy kid who he invents football plays but he names them like really complex smart things like the annexation of puerto rico which was just a fumble ruski um my other favorite moment in that whole film is in the in the big climactic football game where the little giants are playing the cowboys. Which, Dave, that's why you like this so much It's because a fake cowboy team gets beat. Yes, by even yes. the giants. Absolutely, But Absolutely. One of the plays from scrimmage, they hand the ball off, and it's like three feet in a cloud of dust literally three feet, feet, not three yards. And a dad from the sideline for the Giants is like, we gained a yard and they cheer as if they scored a touchdown. And it's the, it's, it's cute. It's hilarious. Watch out for the ice box. She's a mean tackler. She'll take you
0: out. Hell yeah, man. It, when, when, yeah. Isn't her name Becky? Isn't that what she's, her real name is? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's the ice- part uh, ice box, man. She's and talk about breaking down stereotypes early on and things where girls can't play football, but ice box is, the the best player on the team and and that that climactic that last moment where is it Butch isn't that the guy for the cowboy yeah he's with the flat top haircut yeah he's diving for the end zone to get the touchdown that's going to win and Becky meets him at the half inch line knocks him back and and that's you know one of the climactic moments it is it's it is everything it's like it's like a a kid's version of Rocky sort of you know the underdogs prevail over insurmountable odds and it's, it's just fun great message, heartwarming to the max, and the two brothers kind of learn to respect each other at the end which is, you know, that's nice because little brother's wanting to always get the at least acknowledgement of his older jockish brother that hey, I'm important too, and he accomplishes that at the end, so it's great, great movie
2: well, and it's got that great message where all the kids are involved right, like at the end, like the little giants welcome all of the, the cowboys to be on their team as well Yep,
0: exactly.
2: So, fun, fun film, highly recommended. That brings it to to our good friend PC Tunney and his number eight.
3: My number eight is Toy Story.
2: Toy Story was one of the ones that did not make my list that I knew,
3: and I'll talk about it. We'll we'll get get to that. Yep, we'll get to that. So, number seven for me is Captain Ron.
2: (laughs) Nice.
3: Uh, this is one of my uh, favorite movies ever. And Russell, honestly, this is one of Kurt Russell's greatest roles. Him, Martin Short. Uh, it, it's an excellent movie. If you've never seen it, I really can't do it justice. What's but this, the story is Martin Short Martin Short, and his family have inherited a boat, and they're getting ready to sell it. And it's a sailboat that you can go out on sea with. And instead of uh, selling it from the shore on which it was docked, they're going to sell. Still sell it, but sail it themselves and deliver it. And they ended up hiring Captain Ron, played by Kurt Russell, who is charismatic, endearing, and oh so much trouble. So if you've never seen Captain Ron before, do it. Uh, and if you have seen Captain Ron before, and it's been a while, go back and watch it again. One of the great Monopoly games in the history of cinema is played on Captain Ron.
2: Right. What's, did he call, did he call the kid like the the little boy? Did he call him like Swab or something? Like I can't remember what he called it. Squab. Swab. Squab. Squab. Well, yeah. That's a fun movie. That's a good one to watch.
3: Yeah. Benjamin but, Salisbury plays the son. Uh, Mary Kay Place is the mother. Meadow Sisto is Martin Short's daughter. So excellent, excellent movie.
2: Very nice. I'm going to assume that my next one on the list. Well, Dave said it, ours are in the same spot. My number seven is Aladdin. David's on your list at the same spot, right? Number
0: number seven for me as well.
1: Yeah, it's
0: higher
2: on and it's higher on Ray's list. So we'll be holding off on Aladdin for a little bit and
1: going to Ray Cash. And uh, sorry, my bad. I had to. I took my took that off. Um, I believe my number seven is higher on yours, Patrick. It's Mighty Ducks. Yep.
2: And Tony's. Or well, it's lower on Tony's, higher on mine. My ten. Yep.
0: Well, we know mine at number seven is Aladdin. So we'll just move to my number six then. My number six appeared on Ray's list last week, but I've got it here on my list this week. It's Jumanji.
2: Oh! you thought thought it was Fern Gully.
0: No. <laughs> Fern Gully does not appear that on my list, it's... Ray. I'm not as popular. I... I'm not, not as as enthralled with that movie as you are and that's okay but now Jumanji's so number 6 on my list for many of the same reasons that Ray talked about last week in the sci-fi fantasy aspect i mean it is it, it is it, it is there's a good family theme to it you know as far as like Robin Williams character reconnecting with his parents through some interesting time travelish sort of things uh you know the kids it, it's all about the kids and it's all about growing up to a certain extent and it, it and it's just I mean, I can't really. I don't even want to add stuff because Ray did such a great job explaining it last week that I don't like. Well, what am I going to extrapolate on? It's all the same great stuff Ray talked about a week ago. I just have it here because to me, it's more of a family movie than a sci-fi fantasy one. But you know, that's just six and one half dozen in the other. You're splitting hairs here. But Jumanji's number six for me.
1: I think that well, plays quite honored. For, quite honored for your uh, trust and belief. Thank you, sir. I trust um, you implicitly, also- sir. As as I do you, sir. Uh, my number six, I think, also is higher on Pat's list, and that's the Iron Giant.
2: Oh, yeah. Far higher on my list.
1: Well, see, we're just scooting but, on, huh?
2: We are just scooting on, and I'm wondering if this one, if mine won't be higher on everybody's, uh, on somebody else's list, too, is my number six is Space Jam. Michael Jordan, Bugs Bunny, higher it's on my, Ray Cannon.
1: It's It's my five. Yeah, it's my five.
2: It's your number five. So that brings us back to Tony for year number six, sir.
3: My number six is Mrs. Doubtfire. Tire up on Dave's list. Okay, my number five, I don't think anybody's going to have this on their list. My number five is My Girl. Right?
1: Hey, hey, fuck bees, okay? Yeah. I hate Tunny, Tunny with so them. much. Tony's going to
0: make us cry here. Way to go, Tony. Thank you.
1: It's a great movie.
3: i seen this in the movie theater. I was so lucky to be growing up with grandparents that took care of me during the weekends. And every Friday, my grandmother would cook a fish fry, which my grandfather either caught through the ice or on his boat during the week as he was retired. So my Friday afternoon started with a fresh fish fry and then a trip to the movie theater with grandma and grandpa. Sometimes it was to see Platoon. Other times it was to see my girl. So a little Kulmsky, bit of a
0: dichotomy there.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I was a little young for that one. But Jamie Lee Curtis, Macaulay Culkin, Dan Aykroyd, just to name a few of the people in this movie, the story is... Very well written into a movie script, and it's very well executed by the cast. Um, I, I love the phrenology <laughs> part of the, everything, the movie, and all the great parts. You guys already mentioned the bees. So once again, it's another movie that if you haven't seen yourself and you have kids now, and it was a movie from your childhood, this is a movie you can definitely
0: watch with your kids. It's it's a great movie. It, it, it's an excellent movie. It fall. I mean, I can't put it in there just because... Macaulay Culkin's death scene and the the funeral. Just I'm like I, I don't I don't want to be reminded of that. So it's just it's just heartbreaking. But, but
2: I I think that's one of the best things about a movie like My yeah. Girl because I think that
3: I was ten are, when I seen it.
2: Right. Well, and I think that it's important for there to be family and children movies that address things like death. It's one of the reasons why like the book Bridge to Terabithia and even the movie. The movie's okay, but. I, I, and that's why I like soul so much. When we talk about soul, like too often when we talk about family and children movies, there's this like innate desire to protect children from the realities of what happens with, with life. And there's very like films that aren't afraid to address those big issues with children. It's one of the reasons why I will always have an infinite appreciation for Sesame Street because i will never forget like explaining to big bird what death meant um to mr hooper and like they covered shit like divorce and this is the same thing in my girl like it doesn't happen very often but children lose their best friend people die in our lives and i think it's okay for that to be in a family film and and to still call it a family film you could push it into the way to drama if you wanted to um because it could fit there as well but yeah i uh I think it's, that's an excellent choice, Tony. Uh, one of my best friends, uh, his daughter, who is 11, she she does like to run around being like, well, he can't see without his glasses every time the movie is on. So
1: she she does mock the funeral a little bit, too. True story. True story. And I'm probably telling too much on air. But my biggest phobia, like not a fear, a legit phobia, is I have a phobia of stingers. Like, so scorpions, like, Ray.
0: scorpions, Ray, we know about your scorpion phobia.
1: Thank you. You don't need to keep saying that shit. I like to talk about like Steve Borden. Thank you so much. Thank you. Like, y'all joking. I will get legit in this so, call.
2: So anyway, Ray was trying to, sh- you know, open his heart to us. I really was. Third fashion. We're like, what
1: was? Are you less scared of fake sting than real sting? Or, or does you that keep going. I will. I will hang up like no lie. <laughs> Just move on. I mean, like we we it is a Burn goalie for the it's, next hour. It's, so. a, very, it's a fan Ray, by the face. Ray, Ray oh, just tell, tell man, your story.
0: Tony, we'll shut up yeah. now.
1: Go ahead, Ray. <laughs> I was going to say, kind of him love him. part of the reason I think this that I have this fear is maybe because of this movie. Because when I first saw it, I couldn't have been no older than five or six. And I don't remember why I don't. And it's not just that thing, but it's like any stinger, like bees and waltzes and have you ever
3: been no, there you go. You're welcome. No,
1: well, okay. thank, you. thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your sacrifice. It's an overrated right. experience, Ray. Put it that so way. I would imagine.
2: So now that we've, tra- now that we've let Ray li- relive some trauma, we're back to Yes,
1: being... I'm sweating and I have goosebumps right now, so thank you.
2: So my number five is another Macaulay Culkin flick, and that is uh,
3: the holiday classic Home Alone. I will consult you next time I put a movie with bees on my
1: list. Thank God I didn't pick B-movie, hey? Oh, Does no. See, B-movie isn't bad. Like, no. Okay. Oh, um, my oh, gr- look at this. Look at no, this. No, no, because in My Girl, the Bs were like Thanos-level villains. Like, they went after that boy. Oh, I'm so, they were just I'm bees. So,
2: I'm so close. I was so close to getting us out of this, Dave. Like, um, <laughs> Home,
3: Alone
1: Home Alone is higher. Home Alone is higher.
2: Home Alone is higher,
3: yeah. That's... Higher.
1: Higher. Up. <laughs> All right, Ray. You're number five. Number five, right? Uh, Space Jam. So, can I talk okay. about it, or is it higher? Oh, just
2: us, man.
1: Okay. Anytime you can put Bugs Bunny and Michael Jordan in a movie together, the 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 marketing of this movie was so dope because it had Jordan, Space- Bunny. <laughs> it was yeah, Space Jam. Yeah, one um, time. Yeah, but it's it's a it a great movie. Um, Michael Jordan did a decent job acting. He wasn't great, but he didn't need to be great. He just needed to be Jordan. Um, and uh, we got the introduction of Lola, which has become a thing now. Bill Murray is hilarious in the movie. Um, but it was such a big deal for a sports fan growing up, especially a kid who wanted to be in the NBA as a, as a child, to kind of see the two things that he loved the most. The only other thing that would have, like, took it over the top was to see, like, hot, like Hollywood Hulk Hogan in the movie or some shit. That would have been, like, all three of my loves. Um, but it was I just a fantastic movie. Jordan was the man it was cool to see how they bridged the gap of 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 it being um baseball jordan to this being the precursor right. that gets him back to the league and underrated play roles played by Barkley Ewing um Grandmama Larry Johnson, Larry Johnson. Uh, um Sean Bradley and the big homie Muggsy Bowles can we, they just, were can great we just
2: told that one of one of these things did not look like the other tall, like tall, lanky like, yeah, ass Sean Bradley. Like <laughs> it's like these NBA mega stars, and then Sean Bradley, and we're supposed to buy into Sean Bradley is <laughs> is this same level of guy? I don't know. He he was tall and could like dunk barely. He didn't even
0: hey, have to Sean. leave his feet to dunk. He just basically <laughs>
1: hey. You we're talking about these tall guys, but Sean Bradley and Manute Bowl both had fantastic three point shots for the record. Okay. I like Manute's right. I like Manute's
0: son yeah. Smoke a Bowl. You know, that's the one
3: I like. <laughs> uh, <laughs> his, his son's actually Bowl Bowl. He's on Denver. Hey,
1: Sean with the right. Wayne Knight.
3: He did another great role in there. What are your thoughts on the one coming out with LeBron?
1: I I'm excited about it because LeBron's my favorite player. But it's and I've i I've seen the synopsis, so if it, it feels better because it's not the same thing. If they just rehashed, it would be bad.
2: Yeah, I think um kind of like what I was saying with Hocus Pocus, like this this generation of film now is ripe for the nostalgic reboot. I mean that's what that's what we're getting, or the nostalgic sequel and that's what we're seeing here. I think, yeah, with the right writers it'll be it'll be fun. And that's the thing I you know, it's it's just fun. Like you you brought up uh, I'm sorry, I always forget his real name. I can only think of him as Newman. But when he like gets blown up and like pop, like blown away like by a balloon, like love it, classic thing, very Who Framed Roger Rabbit vibe. Excellent choice at your number five, Ray Cash, and that brings us to Dave and his number five.
0: Well, we'll just skip along because my number five is much higher on Patrick's list, and it is The Lion King. Yep, your number four, sir. Uh, my number four was mentioned earlier. I don't know if it's still higher on somebody else's list, but it's Toy Story. Tire on Ray's. Wow, we're just plowing right along here. Ray, you're number four, sir.
1: My number four is Aladdin.
0: Okay. Okay.
2: Yep, I had it lower on my list and Dave and I had it at the same spot.
1: Uh, There's so much I can say about this movie, but I'm going to put it into this. The singular greatest animated role ever done in the history of animation is the genie and Robin Williams. It's the greatest role ever. He casting the way he played it importance to the movie there will and I I know I'm speaking out of uh I'm speaking a bit facetiously here but I don't think anything will ever touch it um and but maybe it's cuz Robert Williams means so much to me personally uh but well, it's the it's the greatest thing ever man it's it's
2: a role that was built for him right and disney was really smart in the way that they animated the movie and that they let him riff on stuff before the animators really went to it and so to to let him kind of be himself and do his sort of his improvisation and animate after the fact was perfect and it was it was interesting because he you know disney then tried to do direct-to-video sequels right and the second one did not have robin williams as the genie and it didn't work so much so that they brought Rob, like Robin Williams, came back for the third one that they did, and you know is, and it has one of my favorite lines where it says, "This movie is brought to you by sand. It's everywhere. Get used to it." That <laughs> that's from the third Aladdin movie, but he is he is far and away the reason that movie goes, and it is so it's so fun. Though I do got to say, I do have a a soft spot in my heart for the uh, opening Aladdin song that he sings when he's trying to stay one jump in front of the breadline, one swing in front of the sword. He steals only what he can't afford. Uh, and that's everything. So
0: great, great stuff. And, and I have a crush on Jeff. <laughs> and that's the thing about these Disney movies is, is you think about the iconic songs that have come out of stuff like beauty and the beast stuff, like Aladdin, like we're going to talk lion King. uh I mean, here, here's my story about Aladdin, and it, it's you know out here in California we have the two Disney parks next to each other, Disney California Adventure, Disneyland. They had the at the Hyperion Theater. It, they did like a live action or, or like a variation of a, Aladdin, and whoever was Aladdin really did a fantastic job of channeling Robin Williams. One of the biggest disappointments to me is in the last the few the years, genie. yeah, exactly the genie. Um, one of the biggest disappointments in the last few years was when they got rid of Aladdin and replaced it with a frozen performance. And nobody out here in California, very happy about that. Uh, But I mean, yeah, everything you guys said about the movie, it's all, it's all Robin Williams performance was transcendent and it still holds up to this day. as just one of the, like, I think Ray's right. The greatest performance of an animated character
1: probably ever. How did you guys feel about the live action and will Smith's kind of flip on the role? Were you against it? Did you hate it? In the words of Patrick O'Dowd, it was fine. Okay.
2: Exactly. <laughs> this is gonna be really weird. I enjoyed it.
1: I did too. I, I love enjoyed it. It's place. not it's it's not, it's not it's not Robert Williams, but it's it's I think it's really good.
2: Well, and and this is the thing, is I'm actually kind of protective of some of these live action remakes that they've done of these animated films because for me, and I think this is what's hard, like being able to divest yourself from the animated feature that it's based off of and just taking the movie for what it is i think is challenging for the audience and i think about i talked about this on an episode of bandwagon nerds a, a million years ago when we get to my number one movie the live action remake or quote unquote live action animated remake, remake our number one movie live studio audience um i actually don't think that's a terrible movie at all and it's actually quite revolutionary in the in the work and the animation they did same thing with the jungle book uh john yes. favreau's jungle book uh aladdin is not terrible there's only been one or two that i've seen where i was like ah, oh, this isn't so good like i did not care for the beauty and the beast remake um, but i get why other people like it i'm trying to remember there's one other one um anyway it's irrelevant now but it, i think it's hard. oh the mulan remake i liked the, i didn't mind the mulan Remake, you with even without Mushu because it
0: told a different tale. It was a different story. It was a different
1: movie. It, it was, was a completely different story. yes. Well, you raised so, you he,
0: raised the point that um, it's not that they're bad; they're all good. They're just like you said, Patrick. Detaching yourself from the animated classics yes. is difficult.
2: Right. Exactly. So, hey, yeah, excellent, excellent choice uh, on, on Aladdin there, and that brings it to my number, my number four, which mm-hmm. is. See if we're see if we finally hit it. Quack, 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 flying V, Mighty Ducks. Is am I the am I the tops on the Mighty Ducks call? Gordon bombs I, away. I love that I'm I can't remember which movie channel it was, had all three of them. And we do Mighty Ducks marathons, one, two, and three, back to back to back. And I will watch all three of them. Even the even the crappy one where they're in high school and they're just playing against the varsity as as the J V team. But that's Yeah, Bombay's one, not in that one, yeah. He is, but he's briefly in it. He's a cameo. Yeah. He's not he's not the lead role. Uh that, that became it became Joshua Jackson's vehicle with his intense stare with uh you know, he's pre Dawson's Creek, I do believe Joshua Jackson doing Mighty Ducks movies. But that first one and, and i i grew up in a part of the country that didn't have peewee hockey so like i have no frame of reference as to what things are really really like but we've all we all have these tales and maybe we'll hear about it in in other lists at some point uh, but movies where you have that coach that is just they, they've they become driven by the need to win for their own sort of glory instead of being a coach. Uh, At pushing those, and, and you know, Emilio Estevez playing this character who actually reflected a bit of his own life in, in the terms of his own problems and being a little bit of out of control, and and having these kids, and coaching them and teaching them, it's it's fun. You know, I I enjoy it thoroughly, even if it was partially a
1: vehicle to push the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. It is isn't it like a such a nineties trope to put together a ragtag group of kids. For one purpose, oh. to for a bigger purpose, like you have one that's higher up on this list that I have almost put on mine. Um, we spoke about one of the little giants, um, Hardball. There's so many of them. The little rascals nobody has on this list. So which, many which, of these. Which tropes. was a little bit Keanu yeah, Reeves 90s, where you show up that's Hardball.
3: It's not just a '90s thing, though. It, it happened before yeah. the '90s. I mean,
1: Bad News Bears. I mean, totally. sure, but I mean, so many were in the '90s. I'm sure we It's a trope in general and look at stories. Okay. That's fair. That's fair.
0: Tony just fair. nominated the seventies project, Pat, just so you know,
3: no, I did not. <laughs> that is bullshit. You fucking tried <laughs> to throw me under that bus over there from the seventies. And I was like, one division. No, <laughs> uh,
0: correct me if I'm wrong, Pat, but didn't this move, this movie came out and the success of this movie actually led to the creation of the mighty ducks of yes. Anaheim, the hockey team, right? Th- it wasn't like, yes. they didn't have the no, team in place first. Yes. Did they?
2: No, the team was coming. It was concurrent okay. because they were ple- they were peddling the uniforms of the team because the team wears those weird Donald Duck-looking. The hookings. team
3: got yeah. named the Ducks because of the movie right. is what happened. Right. Okay? And, and there I mean, was all plans for there to be a hockey team there. The movie came out. That was popular. It made sense. They went right. with
0: it. It's not on my list, right. but it's, it's the most, I mean, as far as a, a movie impacting a professional sports franchise, there is no other movie like this.
1: The club was founded in 1993 by the Walt Disney Company as the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim, a name based on the 1992 film *The Mighty Ducks*. And then Disney sold the franchise in in 2005. So yes, Pat is right. This they it was for Concurrent. the move. They. It was concurrent. They basically had the movie yes, to lead Toney, directly you, into the.
2: To the Tony, Tony's just uh, like a thirst trap for credit today, man. He's, we thank we thank you, and you're like stop it. But then when we don't when we don't credit you're like pay attention to me.
0: And it wasn't until they dropped the mighty part that they actually finally broke through and won the cup, right?
2: Right. They they became less mighty and therefore winners. Just ducks. There you go. <laughs> All right. So that's my number four. Everybody take a drink, because I forgot which direction we're going. <laughs> Back to Tony.: Tony. Oh,
1: yeah, 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 yeah.
3: My number Tunny's four up. is Hook. Excellent. Okay. Directed by Steven Spielberg, Dustin Hoffman, Robin Williams, Julia Roberts. A uh, couple underrated roles. Charlie Corsmo plays the son. He is also the kid in What About Bob? Uh, he's yep. got a couple other roles as well. Bob, yeah, Hos- Bob Hoskins as Smee. Pretty much does the whole movie for me like he puts over Dustin Hoffman so well in this movie and plays that character exceptional uh, a couple other people in the movie you may not know Glenn Close Phil Collins um Rufio David Crosby is in this
1: movie as well yep. and what's the actor's name that
3: played Rufio um
1: uh, he, he's just he's just that kid I hate because he always tries to be too cool but he's the man in that movie Dante Boston.
3: Dante Bosco.
1: Ooh,
3: Fio. But just a great movie. I mean, as a kid going to see this in the movie theater again, the amount of money spent on this movie being a Spielberg production, it looks fantastic. Julia Roberts as well. I don't know they could depict a better actress to play the scenes she had to play, make them believable, probably with a green screen behind her, considering the way that that was going on. Just one of my favorite movies ever hook not not just family animation but just phenomenally done and well cast
2: this movie almost this movie was, yeah this movie almost ended up on my sci-fi fantasy list uh because it, i think it absolutely fits in there as well but i remember seeing it as a kid with my family at the theater like i remember going with my
3: mom and dad and seeing this what a cool new way to tell the story of peter pan as well
0: right. you talk about yeah, the like, live action live action adaptations yeah. here's one that got it right because they told it's more of a continuation than peter pan than a retelling of peter pan uh, no, my I'm wife's going to be really upset with me that i left this off my list but it's like my literally my honorable mention it was at her cool runnings and i all went right. i went jamaican man all
2: right tony so what your number three on us sir
3: my number three is home alone thanks higher He's got- on, higher game on game mine
2: Right. Oh, you know, that one with the kid who does all the things. My number three is the Iron Giant. Higher on Ray's list, so we will move. No, 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 on no. To-
1: it's lower. It's no, it's lower on my. I'm saying. Oh,
2: it's it's lower. You're right. Thumbs up. You talked about movies that make you cry. This one makes you cry for a different reason. Um, and there's a joke about it. I talked about that show Ted Lasso. They make a joke about it uh, when the soccer team the football team is about to uh, watch a movie together before a big game and ted Lazo's like you better be ready because you're about to see 30 grown men cry and he walks in later on they show him they show the they show the giant heading off to intercept the missile and all the men all these hardcore footballers just tears streaming down their faces holding on each it's the the whole premise of the movie of you are not what you are built to be or that you don't have to be what people think you are built to be is great and the animation in that movie is a ridiculous at how great it is it, to me it is as cutting edge for its time as spider-man into the spider-verse is for its time and just the style and the way that's it's like and it's drawn in this very classic like you get the feeling like you're in the 1950s watching it but yet the quality of animation and the techniques that they use are are beautiful and seamless and it is oh heart full at the end of that movie jennifer aniston does a great job as the mom with her voice work there as well good 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 stuff can't say enough good things about the iron giant
1: the allegories to the I guess you can call it xenophobia with the government yeah. hating him. Um, and you said it perfectly, you're not built you don't have to be what you were built to be. You you could you have that free will to be who you wanna be. And the and the beautiful relationship between the giant and the kid, man, it's just a just a movie that touch it pulls your heartstrings, makes you feel something.
2: It really does. It's it's a phenomenal, phenomenal movie.
0: Great. It's, it's still your, it's your Home children.
1: Alone. Home Alone. So I don't know it's higher.
0: Dave. Where are we? Number three?
1: Yes. Drink.
0: <laughs> my number three is higher on your list, Patrick. It's The Sandlot. So, um, so number two. My number two is Mrs. Doubtfire. Home Alone is your number one? It is. Absolutely. Wow. All right. Yeah. Okay. I, Mrs. And, and Mrs. Doubtfire is a movie I talked about earlier. This is the one that my daughter, when she was one to two, watch this constantly and it's it's i mean and again it, it, i mean there's a theme robin williams has appeared how many times in this discussion that we've had here another iconic performance one of them uh, a, a, a different performance robin williams portrayal of euphigenia doubtfire is just unbelievable man this
5: <laughs>
0: yes i mean everything that he does the 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 difference between him and and the scene in the restaurant where he goes back and forth between the two characters seamlessly is one of the great pieces of cinema history. Uh, it's it's like you said, Patrick, earlier. We were talking about My Girl. It does deal with a very difficult to- topic—divorce and how you know the parents splitting up and the kids kind of being pulled in different directions. How you deal with that and and you know, yeah, uh, Daniel's approach to how he solves his problem slightly unorthodox, I would say, but it leads to. Some tremendous comedic moments. Uh, it's it's just such a fantastic movie, and and, and at the end, things kind of work out okay, in as well as they can. So, yeah, Mrs. Doubtfire is number two for
1: me.
2: Excellent, excellent. Right.
1: Okay. I, well, yeah, you raised your fingers. Um, I, I did. I I didn't know if we were all going to say something about it. I just think it's not only what um, being a, a a parent from a one child from a only child. Uh, single parent home, not only was it important about showing divorce, but it was important about showing the custody battle. Because we see divorce a lot, but it's always thought of as, oh, well, I could just go here or there. This was a custody battle where he had to be uh, Mrs. Doubtfire to see his kids. Because he wasn't allowed to even see them. I think that was kind of the part that resonated with me the most. uh, Because I lived that life. You know? So it, it it was a beautiful movie.
2: And to to add to that, the realistic portrayal of, because a lot of times in movies, people get back together. They don't get back together. And that's how divorce generally works. And so to be the rule and not the exception, I think, is a great message
1: to have in a movie. Um, So are we at number 2 Your number two, sir. My number two is y'all's number one is Lion King all right well then
2: we'll move on to my number two which is the sandlot and i've talked about this on on the show more than more than once just like on hocus with hocus pocus and i watch hocus pocus for halloween i watch the sandlot on the 4th of july every year um that scene in the park with fireworks is beautiful it's great um some of the stuff in that movie doesn't age well. We talked about that when we did it in the nerd review. Uh there's there's some real problematic things with Squints and the whole swimming pool sexual assaults kind of creepy vibe thing that happens there with him and Wendy Peppercorn. As Dave's like, oh come on, like no, you can't, you can't just go around pretending to drown so you can make okay. out with a lifeguard. card. Kids so are gonna cool. be
0: kids, Patrick. Give them some slack. The
2: views of David Ungar do not reflect the views of bandwagon nerds. Please do not go sexually assaulting your your cards. Um, but that literally, when they play the little league team, I oh god, I eat that that whole game. I eat it for breakfast. If my dog, were as ugly as you. I'd shave its butt and teach it to walk backwards. Hey, I think I see your sister out there in the outfield. I think she's naked. She's naked. Shut up, Porter.
0: Just I love it. I think love she go that out, movie. Think she'd go it's out with great. me? Uh, oh oh man, is, yeah. So it, it's got a good but, message too. Don't take chewing tobacco on a ride at the fair. That's that's a good message. You, you know, that. that's not a bad it. idea. So,
3: This is also my number two, and as someone who had gone to hundreds of baseball games before he was even old enough to start playing baseball and someone who's played organized baseball for the last 35 years of my life this movie is so unbelievably phenomenal and to me it's a message to America's youth that there are better things found outside meeting other kids and getting together and doing things you it doesn't have to even be sports but going out and making friends and dealing with people face to face as opposed to through a computer is so much better for you. And you can't argue that. And if you do, you're wrong.
2: Yeah, you hit on a like when I think about my own childhood, and part of the reason why I love this movie so much, growing up as a kid, like I had like we I had my we had our neighborhood, right? And in the summertime, every morning, kids would get up. We'd play baseball with a tennis ball in the street every single day until our parents called us home. And that was just in the neighborhood. We didn't go to a sand lot. We didn't go to a field. We turned our we, we used to we had to find the right part of the neighborhood to play where the where the people didn't mind us playing and hitting a ball into the yard every once in a while. But we we loved it. We grew up with it and that was that was my childhood for years like my my late grade school the junior high years so yeah it's totally like that that movie is definitely a reflection of of my life
3: as well should we go to number one it's time all right this is an event on everybody's list i'm fairly certain and it is also patrick's number one and it is one of my three favorite movies of all time and it's the lion king um as as official, for official favorite movie of all time, it's tied between with that and The Wizard of Oz for me. Um, and then there's another movie. Uh, it's called Digstown with Boog Gossip Jr. Oh, yeah. and uh, James Woods. And I don't know. I must have watched that on the right day, but I just love the shit out of that movie. That's neither here nor there. I own the collector's edition of The Lion King on DVD. I went and saw it in the movie theater when I was a kid. I love the live action, I love the remake, I love the play, everything, Lion King. I mean, Hakuna Matata, what a great soundtrack, what a great story. You talked about people coming on and being cast in the right voice roles as well. I mean, talk about James Earl Jones and Jonathan Taylor Thomas at the time, and, and everything, Whoopi Goldberg as well. I mean, my, uh, one of my best friends, the General, who you guys know from DWI Podcast, was just on Cheershot Radio. They just got a new dog and their daughter named it Nala. I mean, this movie, and, and and his daughter is 10, 11, and this movie's from the 90s. I mean, that's how far-reaching this is. The Lion King is just one of the great cinematic wins of all time.
2: When when that movie was re-released, I, I, I shared the story. When that movie was re-released to theaters in 3D, I wanted to see it solely to see it on a on a movie screen again 3d or not 3d uh and so i went by myself to go see this people were like ah, i own it i've seen it before like whatever and the power the music the power behind the music you know you talked about kuna matata but like the circle of life like that opening tune is
3: they use it the they way. use it in my family to introduce lily for fuck's right. sake I mean it's epic it translates that far into the future
2: right and for me we we talk like I always talk about this Disney you know, we talk about going dark and how like like things go dark Disney goes pretty dark in, in that movie at different times with you know we've already talked about Nazis once today but the song be prepared is straight up Nazi Germany with the hyenas marching you know, in sync in front of Scar, which great villain vocal performances. Jeremy Irons, do, you know, does not get the love that, you know, everybody talks about James Earl Jones. Jeremy Irons carries Scar as much as anything. Uh, but I would put him up there. Ray, I, I'd put him up there with James Woods just in a different way. Like this. Sort of voice. Uh, and then the other thing for me, and then I'll, I'll stop talking about The Lion King, is it's it's a child it's a children's telling of the of the story of hamlet uh in a lot of ways and that's that's not an accidental comparison like it's been talked about a lot uh of a of a son and the burden of responsibility and not wanting to face it and to take it and it's you know it has a happier ending than hamlet but it's it's so great and it's it's a movie that will never fade out of the test of time like ever it'll never feel dated ever that's the why i put it above aladdin so some of the jokes and stuff in aladdin kids today won't get they'll know that robin williams is funny but how many of them will actually know who like ed sullivan is when he imitates ed sullivan or a couple of those other sort of characters and personalities that he takes on like it's not as timeless
1: and best soundtrack ever for a for an animated animated movie, I think it's pretty strong up there. Yeah,
0: I got not a lot to add, although I, I do see like, I don't know if you guys are with me on this. It, it I see elements of Lion King in Black Panther. You know, there, there are certain elements of the Lion King that I think transferred over into Black Panther. Uh, stuff like the afterlife where, you know, you've got Simba's whole interaction with his dad and then that kind of translates over into Black Panther. But, yeah, I mean, you guys hit on it, all the great points. It's it's a timeless classic. Um, yeah. I see why it's number one. I might have had a little bit low at five, but yeah, I'll live with it.
2: Well, well Dave, uh, or sorry, Ray, because Tunny and I both had the same number one. That brings it over to Mr. Ray Cash.
1: Well, my number one, some of you don't even have on your list. Yep. My number one is the greatest, in my opinion, the greatest animated movie in all of all time, Toy Story. Two? Oh, sorry. Um, I so the Lion King is iconic, but I think no I think Toy Story is not only just as iconic, but it's more relevant. I think Toy Story reaches people in a way that Lion King may not be able to. It's one thing to see lions and animals and lived in the beautiful storytelling of Hamlet in such a beautiful setting. Fantastic. It's great. It's iconic. But everybody, every, every kid, even kids who grow up with nothing can relive dealing with their toys. And that question of, are my toys alive? And that question of, um, growing up and having to possibly move on to different things. There's so many tenets of life taught to, to you by all of the toy stories, but especially the first one. Um, there's, the, there's the story of, having, of acceptance, right? Accepting uh, with uh, Woody having to accept Buzz Lightyear, even though he was the big shit. Now Buzz comes in, that story of acceptance. There's the story of bullying with Sid next door. There's, there's so many tenets in that movie that can be taught that are relivable and then, so if you, not only if you, if you put that and take that fantastic, uh, storytelling and fantastic, uh, voice acting, right. Tim Allen and, uh, what's my man, Tom Hanks, not, not even talking about the other guys. Uh, my boy, Ronnie Dangerfield, like so many great performances. And, you know, now we look at it in history, I think toy story four bangers of a movie. But the original Toy Story is one of the best stories told. And it is, I think, most importantly, the first ever fully cgi movie. It's the first ever animation movie strictly made from a computer. So you have the stories that it teaches you, the relevancy of, of, of it with everybody, the great acting performances, and the fact that it opened up a brand new genre or way of making movies. I just, I just can't not put it in number one. I think the fact that you have the biggest movie star and the biggest TV
3: star at the time in the same movie with neither of their faces. Think about that at that time. Well and said. they hit it out of the park and they hit it out of the park.
0: Yeah. It's, um, <laughs> I mean, I, I was like you, Ray, I had it one above line King on my list as well for a lot of the same reasons. It's, <clears throat> it, it, I mean, they're both relatable movies. I mean, maybe the, like you're saying, Ray, the whole thing about your toys and, and, and wondering, you know, what do your toys do when you're not around, that sort of thing. They have these great adventures and they go and do, they do all this great stuff. Uh, but I, I do, I, I love the message in the movie and just kind of like, you know, having to accept that the world is moving on and kids are getting older and, and you know, and, and that sort of thing. But like you're saying, accepting somebody new, you know, who's a little different than you, who sees the world differently than you and Buzz's realization as he comes along that he's not, he is just a toy. He's not really a space Ranger. Uh, it's fantastic movie. I love it. I know Pat wanted to talk about it cause it wasn't on his list, but
2: well, and the reason it wasn't on, on my list is I never, I didn't see it until way after it was released. And I, I don't, I don't, it's a great movie like there's no denying it's a it's a great movie uh it just by the time I saw it it just wasn't as impactful to me uh in the same way that it was to to you and, and Ray. clearly you know clearly it was very impactful to you Ray and so it's it's not bad I actually prefer Toy Story three um out of all of them um, That's probably the best
1: of the best all three of them, them yeah
2: but um yeah, it's a it's a very influential movie. It just it just didn't impact me the way that The Lion King did. So that's why I didn't have it on my list. It's definitely what I would consider one of my honorable mentions. And Dave, you're going to bring up the end of the 90s project this week with your number one film.
0: Yeah, no mystery at this point. It's Home Alone is my number one family movie of all time. I, you know, it showed up on all of our, I think all of our lists during the holiday project. That's for sure. I, uh, it's, um it's just it's such a clever I mean everything we said for the holiday project now transfers over to this I've got it number one here because I just thought it was the most it was probably in my opinion the funniest of them all I love the performances I loved you know uh just you know Macaulay Culkin of course he he knocks it out of the park in this thing but um Joe Pesci's performance is timeless I there's so many things about it the the conflict between you know the bad guys and Macaulay Culkin and and his the concept of being left alone and and him growing up in front of your eyes as you go along and still maintaining that childlike quality, it's just one of those iconic performances. Everything I loved about it during the holidays transfers here. It just it's the one that hits home hardest for even more than Mrs. Doubtfire, which is difficult because of my daughter's connection to it. But I'd say Home Alone is just a slightly better movie.
3: This is the peak of Macaulay Culkin's career, right? Well, I mean, that's you got saying Buck. much, but no, no, but I mean, no, but think about think about the I, movies he did before. He did Uncle Buck, yeah. He did My Girl, yeah. Then he does Home Alone. Home Alone Two is huge, but looking backwards, the peak was there. I mean, this is one of the most, if not the most, you know, besides uh Judy Garland, one of the most successful child actors of all time. I mean, think about it.
0: Possibly one of the greatest yeah. performances by a child actor of all time, if not the greatest. Performance by a child you actor.
2: Left, you left out the Good Son in Page Master, by the way, as as you were talking
3: about Macaulay Culkin roles. Thank you, I Patrick. Think I, caught, I think I caught the top 3.
2: You did. I just Page I, master, I, I oh, Page numbers, Master.
1: Number is number 15 on my honorable mention list. Oh, 50? 50 That's 50. what you get you you stirred that
3: pot, and then you got another I honorable I mention. I back.
2: You. I did. I You're did. Just like, oh, so, I wonder
3: if there's honorable mention in there from
2: since, oh, since, there. Since Ray. Since Ray talked about all of his honorable mentions, I will talk about the the other movie I left off my list that I was really tempted to put on, uh, and that is Princess Mononoke, which was um, the first major like anime film to get mainstream. Uh, publication uh, out out in the United States and is from Studio Ghibli, uh, which has made film after film these days that that you can catch on a, you can catch it on HBO Max right now and is a is a terrific terrific movie done by uh, I'm gonna mess up his name so I'm not gonna pronounce it. but uh, check that one out. Well done, everybody. I think that was a good edition of the uh, the the 90s project with the family films. We got three number ones. We did a poll to see what the listeners and Dave, our narrative got busted. Um, We had had 42 people vote on the top sci-fi fantasy film uh, that we put out there. And I put out all our number ones. And I do believe Terminator 2 was the big winner from that one, Judgment Day, or was the Matrix.
0: Matrix, final final results, Matrix 40%, Terminator 2 34%. Jurassic Park, twenty six percent. The good news is, Patrick, we apparently have picked up twenty listeners since the last time we ran a poll. We're up to forty
2: two. It's, it's a huge deal. It's a great narrative to to keep running with. That's our gimmick, and we're sticking to it. Um, but it was it was good. It was fun to to run that poll, and we'll do that again midweek. We'll put our three number one. So we'll put Home Alone, The Lion King, and Toy Story up, and see what you listeners think is the greatest '90s family film on the Bandwagon Nerds Twitter account. We'll follow it there. So that'll do it for this week's um, 90s project. Next week, we're gonna get a little more serious, fellas. We're gonna do our top 10 dramas from the 1990s. Now, I did wanna bring this before the group. I'm wondering if how willing you'd be to extend the 90s project by one week and add one more category. Because as I think about this and Ray's conundrum, I'd like to do a category on sports films.
0: Oh, for the '90s, yeah, you almost, you probably almost have to.
2: I'm good with it. I'm seeing nods, so we'll we'll shoehorn that in. We'll probably I'll probably put it after actions because I think comedy is how I want to wrap up the '90s project. But okay, so we'll add that category in for a later week. But this week uh, was family films. Next week, our top ten dramas of the 1990s. Good times. Hope you all give it a listen because. These have been banger lists so far, guys. I really liked it and uh, liked a lot of what we're hearing. Is
3: mayonnaise an instrument? Want to go jellyfishing? What am I supposed to do all day while you're at school? Can I use your bathroom? Who's your friend? What does claustrophobic mean? <laughs> you know what the problem is?
2: And that, my friends, is the all-new introduction to Patrick O'Dowd has a question. Yes, Patrick from SpongeBob SquarePants leading us in as the budget continues to grow. Well done, PC Tunny, again for the extra sound bites. Well played, well played. So, we are recording this on Sunday, February 14th, also known as Remind All the Single People in the World Their Single Day. Happy Remind All the Pe- Single People Their Single Day to, to all of you single folks out there.
3: It makes me even happier now that you remind me of it. (laughs) There you go. Keep going.
2: Well, here's my philosophy on that. It's the biggest waste of of space (laughs) holiday in the world. And it got me thinking about other waste of space hallmark holidays out there. And just asking you, what do you guys think is the most pointless waste of space holiday out there in the world, in your opinion? Because for me... Valentine's Day is it? It's a hallmark holiday designed to sell cards and force you to go out to dinner, with frankly a woman who, when I fell down the stairs last night, didn't even come to check
0: on me.
1: That's a good That's woman a
0: there, man. That's a good woman there.
1: And if she did, <laughs> uh, she's nosy. Anybody want to go? Because I got an answer, but I don't. My answer is going to be like a buzzkill.
0: Go ahead. Nope. Go ahead. Let's
1: Ray. Do it. I think our I think this country's obsession with Patriotism is like ridiculous. The fourth of July is, I think, way too too much. I think it's okay to be proud of your country, but like, my God, the fourth of July, I think, is just out there. Yeah, Can you we were, keep the baseball? You're, you're,
3: right,
1: you're right before you brought up your pick. <laughs> I told you. I warn I I warned you. Controversy surrounding
2: the bandwagon i i get it i do think that there is a there is an interesting obsession with patriotism i used when i go to a baseball game we have two national anthems now you have the national anthem that gets played before the game and then the seventh inning stretch we have to listen to was a god bless america or america the beautiful um there's 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 love for your country and then there's sort of that blind everything must be worshipped about the country so i can see why people might have yeah, a level of resentment, or even just a, a questioning of how we celebrate the Fourth of July. Dave, would you like to yeah. wade in and add a holiday? That sure. Send your hate tweets to yeah.
0: at RussRealist. Yeah. I'd say, I'll say I'll I'd say uh, Labor Day has never made much sense to me. To be honest, I just like well, it's like it's almost like well, we've gone too long without a holiday. Let's let's throw one in here in September. So Labor Day is it because you don't like to wear white? yeah that's exactly right <laughs> but I, i'd say it's a tie with that in veterans day i mean like half the nation doesn't even celebrate veterans day
3: <laughs> it's it's just get, like... both of you guys are gonna get crushed this
2: is ridiculous. <laughs> oh, oh, oh wow i i, I thought could've... you guys would go with something a little more like i don't know arbor, like arbor day. day arbor day arbor day, arbor day. Groundhog. Okay. Groundhog, oh, okay. Groundhog Day. So I
1: can... I, Groundhog Day is a stupid one cuz I don't no, I'm putting crap, my faith in this a... A great fucking movie. You know, it's going to be on the it's going to be on the list at the
3: end of the 90s project. Don't even start. You know what? You're going to come out here and blast America. You're going to blast our veterans, you're going to blast our laborers. Don't you goddamn dare be Smirch Tony Phil. You both just shut the phil up right here. Shut the phil up.
0: <laughs> can we talk and about how they've they've the turned Christmas into <laughs>
2: That concludes the most explosive edition of Patrick O'Dowd has a question. I don't know that that could have gone any better. Fellas, it's been a trip. It's been a journey. I think that's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Why don't we tell everybody where to find us on the social media so that they can flame you for your dislike of veterans and our nation's independence. We'll start with you, Mr. Ray Cash, this week.
1: Sure, you can find me at the real C Platt. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Send
1: your hate tweets to.
0: <laughs> you can find Ray in Canada.
1: Yes, um, it's Ray Cash. R e y as in Mysterio. C a s h as in dollars. Happy Valentine's Day to those of you who don't give who give a shit about it. To those of you who don't, Happy Valentine's Day. Takeover. Vengeance Day. David Ungar.
0: Uh, for all you veterans out there, you can send your hate tweets to at PhenomenalAJB. Uh, oh, wow.
3: <laughs> that's harsh. That is really mean. Is like, talking about hazing.
0: Uh,
2: you two are going to get flamed publicly, privately, I everywhere. Know. Well done.
0: But you can actually check me out on Twitter at Attitude That is at Attitude A-G-G and on Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression.
3: Uh, you can find me at yeah, you can find me at PC Tunny and please keep listening to everything, Cheershot Radio Network. Check it out. There's tons of great programs. Cheershot Radio every single morning. Wrestling, sports and entertainment. We got it all over there. So Cheershot Radio Network, thank you to everybody. Please continue to listen.
2: Excellent. Speaking of thank yous, before I say my goodbyes, I did want to take a moment and push this past week's episode of the Miranda show. If you all have not listened to this past week, uh, week's episode of the Miranda show, give it a listen. Miranda is not actually on the show, but PC Tunney who is here as well as Craig DeMarco had a really good hour or so conversation, just kind of talking about their journey, getting them to where they are. And I wanted to publicly thank both of them for the kind words that they had to say, not just about the network and how it's going, but about this show and just highly, highly complimentary stuff. And I means the world to me to hear just how happy people are with how this show has gone. So thank you very much guys uh, for all of that.
3: I officially take it all back. Then then fuck you. Damn it. We're
2: back
0: down to
3: 22 listeners. I feel feel better now. I feel better now. I, I love you too, Patrick.
2: But it was it was a very very good episode of the Miranda Show, and that's it's a great uh, episode with Miranda. I don't want to get people the wrong impression here. Uh- but it it was nice to hear Uh, just a highly complimentary to what we're doing and what we've been building. Um, That's going to do it for us here on bandwagon nerds. You can follow me on the Twitter at wrestling realist. That is at W R E S T L N G R E A L I S T. You can hear me and Dave every Sunday morning on the chair shot radio. Listen to that every day at 6 a.m. on your morning commutes, rotating, cast of hosts each one of us on the bandwagon here has at least one episode of chair shot radio we drop a week you can also catch me every Monday here on bandwagon nerds of course and every Wednesday on the Babyface heel podcast with Greg DeMarco and the aforementioned Miranda Morales that being said thank you everyone for listening to this week's edition of bandwagon nerds next week we bring you part 3 of the 90s project our top 10 dramas of the 1990s until then See you next week. Um, You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of thechairshot.com.
4: You got a friend in me. You got a friend in me. You got trouble and I got 'em too. There isn't anything I wouldn't do for you. We stick together, see it through, cause you got a friend in me. You got a friend in me. Is it? It's me, Snakes. I got the stuff. Leave it on the doorstep and get the hell out of here. All right, Johnny. But what about my money? What money? A.C. said you had some dough for me. Matter of fact, how much do I owe you? A.C. said 10 percent. Too bad A.C. ain't in charge no more. What do you mean?
0: Guys, I'm eating junk and watching rubbish. You better come out and stop me. He'll call
4: you when he gets out.
0: Hey, i tell
4: you what I'm going to give you, Snakes. I'm going to give you to the count of ten to get your ugly, yellow, no-good keister off my property before I pump your guts full of lead. All right, Johnny, I'm sorry. I'm going. One, two...
5: <laughs>
4: Keep the change, you filthy animal.